the starting lineup of your favorite show. And producer, 5'11", from Blanchester, the cow killer, Casey McCollister. And comic engineer, standing at 4'8", the pride of the west side, Elliot Rearing. And your host, weighing 150 pounds, soaking wet. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in, and it is, for many of you, maybe a very happy Valentine's Day. For some of you, maybe not so much. I was reminded this morning by my wife that it was Valentine's Day, so that was uh, a good start to my morning. I hope you had a better start to yours. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, and I am Trace Fowler, joined, as always, by the producers to my right, Elliot Rearing and Casey McAllister. Casey has been chopping at the bit we've been working on trying to get calls into the studio yesterday casey gets it set up has us go test it we work you know we pull the phones out of our pocket we walk around the office hey can you hear me yeah can you can i hear you yeah all right this is all working sure enough about you know 20 minutes 30 minutes before the show we fire the machine up and uh casey has done nothing but not look up from his desk since he's over there scavenging around pissed off at technology and I got to be honest sometimes technology just does what does what it wants to do you don't get a choice you don't get a choice no I don't very similar to marriage Casey yeah you could say that you could say that I mean I just technology is finicky it's finicky and uh you 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 gotta treat it with um with respect yeah I don't do that with love yeah well when I worked at a, a, a a former place of employment the radio station that i will not name here but i certainly could name them uh there were a bunch of technology issues specifically with the phone calls i would come in every saturday morning i'd have to go in on saturday morning at 4 30 in the morning and, and we have a we have a talk show host there named gary jeff gary jeff takes a lot of phone calls so when you get in you got to test the computers you got to make sure everything's working right uh and i would always usually do a little test call because at around 6 a.m. when we really start getting a lot of uh, callers, the computer would shut down and we couldn't be able to communicate. So I'd always have to talk to the tech guys. The tech guys would have to come in and save the day, but they wouldn't be until three hours after. So by then it would be worthless. So technology and I, I, I I'm not a big fan of it, if I'm going to be honest with you. I, I miss the olden days, uh, like when you could drive around in the horse and buggy. That's what I. That's what Is I. Is that what you miss, Elliot? Yeah, that's yeah, what I, didn't I miss. Yeah, I know that you have. You were privy to uh, to have the the uh, the privy of being able to do the horse and buggy thing. Yeah. I never got the chance to do that. I was uh, well, real relatively too young. It's surprising that you're able to do that. It's I was good able for to you. Do it. I was um, able to do it. Red Dead Redemption, maybe you could do something along those lines. <laughs> that that might work. Uh, but anyways, let's get into uh, some topics of conversation today. We have some college hoops to talk about. Yesterday, some people said that. Maybe, air quotes, that it might be a must-win. Some said it, it wasn't. Um, certainly the team played based off of one of those concepts. It was a pretty ugly basketball game for the UC Bearcats. We'll get into that in just a moment. The Williams domino effect. I was thinking on the way in here. Caleb Williams is a guy that many people are sitting here, and they're, they're, they're obviously putting him in slot number one. You can't miss. There's only been so many of those that have come through, right? You, you have, in, in my opinion, since I've been watching the NFL, 
Andrew Luck was certainly that type of guy. Joe Burrow really was that type of guy. And now we find ourselves in a position where it seems like everybody's hedging their bets a little bit, though, right now with Caleb Williams, aren't they? I don't know if everyone's coming out and saying, well, it's a sizable gap. It's a massive gap. Some of the pundits are starting to say, well, the gap isn't crazy big. Drake May's pretty good. Jaden Daniels, pretty good. Um, so, but I want to talk about the domino effect that's going to come from this. Not just what the Bears ultimately decide to do, but what the Bears, if they don't decide to do it, what it will entail on the back end of that, and how sometimes in life you just get lucky. You get lucky. You don't get a choice. You get given something, and what you were given was actually better than what you actually might have wanted. We'll get into that in just a moment. You have the T. Higgins tag. That seems like an inevitability now. Seems like guaranteed T. Higgins is going to get tagged. Whether there's smoke, there's fire. We all came to expect that. What does that ultimately mean? Is that the right decision for the Bengals? We'll talk about that for just a moment. A little stadium talk. Don't know if you've seen it or not, but the Kansas City Royals just announced that they are going to put a stadium in downtown Kansas City. We'll get in a little bit of talk about what we would like to see from the standpoint maybe of our own ballparks, maybe of our own stadiums. No, we're not going to talk about how Cincinnati needs a new arena, although they do need that. But we'll talk about where we've been, what stadiums, and we'll reminisce with the chat about maybe some places we'd like to go. Uh, and then finally, a little MLB talk to end the show. But as always, welcome you guys in. Wow, are you a you. fan of uh, Are you a fan of the Hallmark holiday that is that is Valentine's Day? Uh, no, I, I I'm not a big fan of it. Is that Are you sure it's today or was that yesterday? Was it today or yesterday? I'm pretty sure that's today. Are we sure, Casey? Do we know you have a wife? What? Valentine's Day today or no? Yeah, it is today. It's today. Okay. Well, it's also Ash Wednesday for those who celebrate that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that, that's something to celebrate. I don't know what to celebrate. I don't know how to say celebrate when you're talking about that. I, I think it's a serious topic. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Valentine's Day, no, I, I'm not a big proponent Partake, of it. maybe. Yeah, so, uh, no, I, I don't care about Valentine's Day. But I'm sure it's fun. It was used to be fun in grade school. You pass around the notes. You yeah. get, eat the little candies. That was fun. Yeah. But I think it's lost to a, a lot of magic these days. Did it? <laughs> like most <laughs> things, you know, when you're young, That's correct. The, the, the holidays have a little more magic to them, per se. And that is not all, totally true about Thanksgiving, though. Thanksgiving, I feel like the... the and I don't Thanksgiving has gotten better. You're right. Thanksgiving definitely gets significantly better. When you're young, it's like, oh, really? I don't really want to eat this weird food and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think it, that's it, only, it grows on you. I think, that's, on you. I think that's the only one that one. gets better. Because it's Christmas, you used to get a ton of gifts. And each year, you, you get less and less gifts. And it becomes, you, you're the one giving the gifts. Uh, Easter is, you know, again, you used to hunt for the eggs. Now you don't hunt for the eggs. So, yeah, I think it's Thanksgiving is the only one that gets better with time. Maybe uh, St. Patrick's Day is the other one. Maybe those are the two that get better. What do you think the uh, percentages of men who right now after work? Yeah. Of all the people that buy gifts that are men that are buying a gift for Valentine's Day, what's the percentage of men that are actually buying a gift when they get off work today on the way home from wherever they're able to find a quick oh, yeah. spot to stop? Versus the men that actually plan to buy something beforehand. 90%. 90% are going to go after work today, going to go to Kroger's, get some flowers. Say they went hunting in the fields for them. That's not what they did. They went to Kroger's. Uh, and, and they always have the box of chocolates out there on Valentine's Day too. So everything will be right in the same little corner right when you walk into Kroger's today. And that is where every single man will get his gift. Maybe not every. I would say most. Yeah, I uh, listen. I, have you I gotten your gift? Have you got have, have you gotten your gift yet? I can't say that I have. 
<laughs> that's not good. That's not good. So that, that means you're going to go out after this, and you're going to have to go find a gift and celebrate Valentine's Day. Right. I'm terrible with dates. Yeah. Not only am I terrible with dates, but I'm also terrible with trying to get into the uh, spirit that is something that someone else is telling you that you need to do, right? Like, there's something that's that really... Um, I just don't like that. Now, it, it's one of those things where if you don't do it, you clearly are maybe showing that you don't appreciate your significant other, and that's certainly not the case for me. It's just that I don't really like the idea of someone else telling me that I have to go spend money on something to show someone that I love that I love them. Is that is that is that is that a well, fair statement, or you, am I being a little well, overcritical? Here? I think you're being a little overcritical because I think the point is nobody's making you do it. I think it's just part of the gesture. Are you sure no one's making you? I think society's certainly making you. No, I don't think so. I think that's, but it's. I, I think there's a maybe an ob, not not. I don't want to use the word obligation, but I feel like everybody else is doing it, and it's just you just do it. You just join in on the fun. It's supposed to be fun. Get some flowers. Get some flowers. That's not you don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want. But the best way to show somebody you love them is by spending money. A lot of it. That's how that's that's what I've always known to, it to be true. You don't make gifts, you buy the best ones. That's how you do it. Like people will make their own like custom little things. Like they'll get go to a picture store, get a framed picture of you and your significant other, and they'll put it on a T-shirt or something. So no, you want to go to K Jewelers and you want to buy the most expensive thing they've got on the little case on the shelf. That's how you say you, I love you, money. And and rightfully timed. I look down in the chat. My my best friend Harrow points out that there's 69 viewers at this very moment, and perhaps that's when we segue off of Valentine's Day. Yeah, good one. All right. Um, <laughs> Hey, you know, hey. All right. UC Bearcats, right? We talked about yesterday how big of a game it was, how important it was. We could all relatively agree that it was a that it was an important game. Um, and rightfully so, some are arguing that it's not life or death. I'm arguing on the side that if you can't win home games that 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 are resume building wins, top 10, top 15, top 20 wins, then ultimately it's going to come back to bite you at some point, right? You're just kicking the can down the road. And certainly this UC team, if they can figure it out, maybe, just maybe, they can get hot enough at the right time and it all doesn't matter at the end of the day anyways. But Wes Miller continues to kind of be frustrated. Oh, yeah. And he's frustrated. And he continues to say, and I'm not saying say the same thing, but he's doing the same song and dance at the press conference. If you didn't get a chance to see what Wes Miller said, after last night's loss, we'll play the clip for you just now, and then we'll talk about it. Sorry, I'm just in a bad mood, guys. I, I, I hate losing. I hate it. So I'm not mad. You guys are doing your jobs. I don't mean to be a, a, a prick. I can't help it. I just, it's no, nobody's fault. I hate losing. We are going to figure it out. This team is going to figure it out. All right, trying to figure out how to put <laughs> headphones on. Here we are. Should we do the next clip? Yeah, go ahead. Run the next Listen, clip about Jizzle James. This is about Jizzle James. I, I know everybody wants to, you know, narratives, and you guys all have jobs to do, and I get it. And I appreciate all the interest in our program and our team, so I, I asked for this. I'm not, I'm not complaining, but, you know, I, you guys are looking into this way too much, way more than, I, than I'll ever look at it. Jizzle James is really good. Everybody can see it. He's really important to this team. He was important to this team in our first game against whoever, UIC, whoever the heck we played against. 
Davion Thomas is really important to this team. He was important to our team against UIC. They're both going to be important to our team against Central Florida on Saturday. It's not, it's not been a competition. We need both. We have two, two guards, two point hand, ball handling players, two point guards. They both really matter. Some teams have five of them and start three of them. We got two. Stop trying to figure out which one's the guy. They're both the damn guy. And that's the way I've looked at it from day one. We played them both together when they're playing well. You know, sometimes one of them seems to be more effective, so they get a little more minutes. Like, this ain't rocket science. We have two. I wish we had 25. And then we could talk about damn depth charts. They're both the guy. And they both are doing the right things every day to work. They're both great kids. We got the right two kids. All right, so those were the thoughts and the wisdom that is Wes Miller after his uh, – Frustrating loss, to say the least, last night. Listen, Wes has done this time and time again, right? You've seen him get in front of a microphone. He's uh, he, He's got a little Calipari in him. He's got a little Calipari in him. And I'm not saying that's a terrible thing to have by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a little bit of car salesman, and there's nothing, with, there's nothing bad about car salesman, but there's something a little car salesman, if I could use that term, about him. I still believe that Wes Miller can get the job done at UC. He's a very, very, very young coach, first and foremost. So to think that he isn't going to grow and learn and possibly get better and better as he continues to mature would be, I think, a mistake to believe. The other part of this that really I'm, I'm fighting against is that it feels like it feels like you're getting kind of preach to about something that we ultimately know is somewhat of an issue and he wants to make it out like it's not an issue at all this team has a has a tough time of scoring yes but to, but to get frustrated in the microphone time and time again and just say you know what we're gonna figure this out I don't like to lose well yeah I think that's the case for most programs right the question ultimately comes down to is what are you gonna do about it what adjustments are you gonna make when you watch that game last night, and I'm all for giving guys a little bit of a leash, right? But if you turn the ball over a few times as a point guard, there's some coaches that are just, you, you're coming out of the game. And whether you like it or not, you could argue that, well, then they'll end up playing scared. But sometimes if you get taken out of the game, the best, the best learning moment that you can have most times when you play a sport is sitting down and watching. You get pulled out of the game, and you go, hey, if you're going to turn the ball over and be that careless, then you're just going to sit on the bench. I'll find somebody else that wants to take care of it. Yesterday, UC in the first half. Now, I know we have the game stats. UC ultimately ended up turning it over 25 times. But in the first half, they turned it over damn near 20 times. They had 40 possessions in the game. They turned it over 25 times. For those that are keeping track, that's about 43% of their possessions. In the first half. In the first half. 24%. 43%. No, listen. 24% is the worst team in the country's turnover ratio. Oh, yeah. You're turning it over almost two times the amount that the worst team in the country turns it over. Clearly, it's a problem. We all know that's a problem, but it's a little bit of an anomaly, right? That's the thing with this team that I want to get to really quickly is that it feels like it's something different all the time. 
you couldn't quite get over the hump one game because you couldn't get the late stops. You played great defense, but at the end of the game, you weren't able to get the critical stops or two. Then the next game, you can't find a way to get the ball in the basket towards the, towards the end of the game. And then sometimes Lacocious kind of saves the tail or saves the day because he gets hot and he plays well. But Lacocious, there's times where he doesn't play well, obviously, either. C.J. Frederick's been out, to be fair, so they've not really had a huge outside threat. But this team in and of itself, it just feels like, uh, it, you know what it somewhat feels like? It feels like a baseball team that, besides this last game, but it feels like a baseball team that's being competitive. But they find a way to lose the one-run game over and over and over again. And it's the bullpen that blows it. It's the starting pitcher that goes out the first time and he throws three innings. And then the next game, you finally get those two things corrected and then your offense doesn't score. Now, UC basketball in general, we can all agree, has not had a prolific scorer in this program until they've been to the tournament. Yeah. Uh, it, I watched yesterday's game, and, and, and you are right. It does seem like every single game it's something else. Uh, consistently, uh, the three-point shooting's abysmal. They're horrible. And the fact that they shoot so many threes is honestly disappointing because they can't do it. Yesterday was their best three-point uh, shooting day I've, I've seen since conference play started. Uh, maybe BYU was better. I'd have to go back and look. But they can't shoot the ball. The offense is terrible. We have big men out there that don't produce anything offensively. Nothing. They do nothing. And again, I, I'm not going to make this the Victor Locken hate show, but there's a clear disconnect with, with his play and, and, and how this offense, how this team performs. I mean, he, he's nowhere near good enough right now at this second. To, to be playing in games. And, and clearly West knows that he played nine minutes yesterday. And, and by the way, when you can hear through the TVs, with, through your TV, that the, the entire arena is booing one of your guys, it's tough. That's, 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 that's tough uh, because you really should be trying to uh, rally around him. And, and, I'm, and I'm a big proponent of, of like, booing. If, 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 you, if you're not doing your job out there, you got to boo. I think it's a little different in college when we're talking about kids. But – uh, saying that, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been producing anything. He doesn't produce offense. He's barely there def defensively, and he doesn't rebound, really. So I don't, I don't know what to do there. Uh, Aziz, Aziz and Jamil, we, have, we were begging. We thought they would save our season, begging for them to get cleared on those waivers, begging. One point for Aziz yesterday. He had one point in 20 minutes. He had four turnovers. What do we do? He's seven feet tall. Are, are, you're saying we can't get Aziz... A bucket down low. He's seven feet tall. Go down low. Use a post move. Do something. Stand down there and hover. We got Jamil, and again, God love him, he doesn't shoot. He shoots four shots a game. He's one of the two big men we have that play. Victor Lockin's out of the picture now. He had five points, two turnovers. He rebounded the ball a little bit better, I guess. Five rebounds. But it's just a point right now where, where I don't even know what this team is. Every single night it's something new. It's either the turnovers, it's the layups, it's the free throws. Go down the list, and, and something that should be able to be fixed isn't fixed consistently. Wes Miller, people were saying in the chat that Wes Miller uh, you know, isn't the guy. Wes Miller's the guy. You, you have to recognize what he inherited here. And again, the coach who shall not be named, he's blocked me on Twitter, the guy who should, shall not be named torched this program to the ground. It's ashes. It was ashes. West came in here. It's taken a little bit of time. But we, this is the, and we'll get into the Big 12 and 
some people thinking it's fraudulent here in a second. But it's a damn good basketball conference, and we're competitive in every single game. That was the worst game of the year by far by UC. 25 turnovers, 11 missed layups. By far the worst game of the season. And it still felt, no matter what, it still felt like they were in that game. They lost by nine points. Again, there's no moral victories. We're out of moral victories. The moral victories stuff has got to stop. Reed is right. Congratulations to Reed. Well, but at I, the end of the day, but at the end of the day, despite their very worst performance against the top ten team, they lost by nine points. And again, I, I'm not going to sit here. And, and, well, you're laughing. I'm laughing at you guys, man. I, you lost by nine points. Yeah, you lost by nine Three points. Possessions. At some point, though, at one point in the game, you were down what, 12, 13 points? I, you, you, Got up to sixteen. 16 points. You're down 16 points at some point in the game. And yes, you ultimately ended up losing by nine. And that's great. But at the end of it all, it's like, what is this team? What is the expectation for this team to continue to find a way to either get better and or perform when it matters the most? And what are they going to rely upon? What are they going to rely upon when the pressure mounts? And that's where it's like, okay, the jizzle question came in. And I know Wes is upset. And I know after a game is probably the worst time to try to go into a press conference and, and, and be cordial and try to have a rational brain uh, around answering questions as it pertains to the, the tail kicking you just had. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jizzle James is a guy that, in my opinion, I'm going to say that. I think he's their best player. I think he's their best player. In, in the sense that he has the highest ceiling of all of the guys. And I and, and, and I'll, the other thing too, and this isn't like to try to to try to put this out there, but the last thing I'm going to do is limit minutes to a guy that I think is could possibly end up being one of the better players in this program. When again, the transfer portal exists, and I know that that shouldn't like be a huge factor all the time, but it, but at the same time, when things aren't going well, and Day Day again, Day Day is a great defender, right? We can all agree that. Like, he genuinely is a great defender. Day-Day is a great defender. Arguably the best on the team. But that's not the problem with this UC team. Yeah. It's not. Like, part of the problem with the UC team is that it feels like they try to manufacture points, and they're, they're running they're running um, double screens for Lacocious. And honestly, Lacocious really is not a great shooter when moving. Like, if his feet are set, if Lacocious' feet are set, and he can pump fake and dribble to the left, and his feet are set, he can make shots. But very rarely do I see Lacocious come off a double screen, catch the ball, and have a little bit of movement to him and knock down the shot. They don't have any of those guys. Maybe C.J. No. Frederick will end up being that guy, but they don't have hardly any of those guys. And you can make the case that you don't have to do that. And you don't if you have interior play that allows you to score, and that's where they, that's, that's where they fall on their face the most. You can't have three guys in the interior where you get little to nothing from at all times. Bandago, nothing. Victor Locken, we'll get to him in just a second. N nothing is of late. And Jameer Reynolds, I don't think that he's really that bad. It's just that there's not a lot of there's not a lot of seeking out offensive possessions for him. It seems like he's not confident, and that's and I and I, I don't know how to fix that because again, usually Aziz will will put up shots. Victor will put up. God knows Victor will put up shots. But Jamil, like, he shoots four to five shots a game. And you're a big man. You're supposed to go down there and, and at least attempt to put up a couple layups. Go for a dunk. Go for a post hook. Do something down there. Uh, and, it, and it seems like he doesn't do that consistently. 
I, I again, Day Day and Jizzle. I Day Day had played 16 minutes yesterday, turned the ball over six times. Jizzle had five turnovers in his 25 minutes. It's the the turnovers are a disgrace. I don't know if you watched. I don't know. If Sometimes you saw it. though, things can be an anomaly, right? Like, Maybe. can we can we somewhat agree that Maybe. that team that we watched last night's not the traditional? That's not the typical UC team. No, that's not. It kind of snowballed, right? Like you could tell, you could tell that they they and give Iowa State some credit here. We 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 are gonna give them some credit. It can't just be like oh, but the, when I watched that game, and I'm not trying to, to like downplay what I just said, but. It didn't feel like a lot of the turnovers were like, wow, this team's just getting in your tail defensively. It was stupid. It, it was, was like, let's was... let's try to throw a skip pass from one side of the floor to the <laughs> yes. other side of the floor, and it just literally goes over the guy's head. There, I, it's There was one turnover yesterday where Jizzle had the ball. He crossed midcourt, had it, and then just bobbled it for five minutes, and then the guy took it the other yeah. way for an easy layup. It's they're, 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 The mistakes this team makes are fixable. I don't, but again, we're too far into the season to say they can be fixed. The free throw game, we, we got on their ass for free throws, and they have they have really improved that over the past several games, several weeks. Uh, UC has been a, a competent free throw shooting team. Uh, it's not that fifty eight percent that we we saw for that first part of conference. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what to do with with Jizzle or Day Day. If it were up to me, I'd play them both always. I'd have them both in the game and see what kind of offense I can create. Because other than Simas Lukosius, and again, I think he's, I think, God love him, he plays hard. He plays 35 minutes every single night. Uh, at, at times, he's the only guy who can shoot a three-pointer. But at the same time, you're, he, had two, he had two of the worst air balls I've seen ever yesterday. Well, that's because he's moving. If you get Lukosius on the run where he has to continue to fight to get open, and, and, and listen, comparing Lukosius to some of the great shooters that you've watched in college basketball is not fair, so I don't want to do it. But, but to use my example, and this is not fair to Lukosius, I'm saying that out loud before I say it, is like when you used to watch, like if you watch J.J. Redick play, right? J.J. Redick had to run all over the place to get open. Yeah. And then he got the ability to shoot, and if he got any kind of glimpse of, of, of any daylight at all, he still was deadly. I don't find that to be Lukosius. And I'm not comparing J.J. to Lukosius directly. I'm just saying that Lukosius has a hard time of really – moving off of screens, coming off of double screens, and hitting shots with, again, any kind of movement in his shot. And it's hard to be a good shooter if you're like that. Correct. If you're a standstill shooter, that's fine. Maybe you could throw it into the post, you can relocate, you throw the ball back out, and you get a nice shot. Lukosius does a good job of pump faking, right? He gets his man in the air, and he does that little side dribble, which, again, that's where he shoots the best at. If he comes off a double screen and they, and they lose him and he has time to get his feet set, sure, he's okay. But he's not a guy, like, put it this way, he's not a guy that you want to rely upon to be your offensive threat at all no. times. He should be a guy, for all intents and purposes, that you utilize kind of in set pieces that you're not expecting him to be the main contributor. And at the end of the day, it all uh, this all boils down to one thing for me with UC, is can you get any help from the interior guys? Because I actually think when I watch UC play, even Day-Day, there's glimpses of Day-Day that make me think, you know what? He's serviceable. Yeah. He's serviceable. He's actually, like, if you put Day-Day on a really good team, he's, a, he's, I think he could play for a lot of elite teams is what I'm getting at. Then you add in Jizzle James, and he's young, yes. And Day-Day is his first year, too. So you have, a, you have two guys that are young. 
Uh, I know Day Day came over junior college, so he's not theoretically a freshman, but you get my point. Yep. First time playing big time college basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Jizzle James is a guy that if he stays and he should stay, right? I'm not suggesting that he's a, but my point is, is that that's why I believe in West Miller. West Miller has young guys that I actually think are very good. Dan Skillings can be very good. It's like if you could take Dan Skillings, Jizzle James, right? Um, and I'm sure I'm missing some guys that that ultimately that are younger that um, off the top of my head. But just those two guys in general. And they're seniors and juniors. And then you add in the same type of talent over the course of a four-year stretch. This team is going to be good. I, th- I, I th- believe in West Miller. I certainly do too. I, there's nothing that up until this point that – wouldn't make you believe in West Miller. Again, the team. He is a little car salesman, though. The, can we I, agree to that? Can well, we at least agree that, you know what, <laughs> if you're a fan of another team, can we all agree if you're a fan of another team and you watch the press conference of West, you can kind of roll your eyes. I mean, that's fair. Press conferences are a losing equation for pretty much everybody. There's some coaches that, that are really good at it. God knows Mick Cronin wasn't. Uh, but Wes, Wes Miller, at least he cares. Like at least, he, at least he's passionate. I do think sometimes it feels like he's acting for an Oscar up there. Uh, that's my point. I'm pissed and you should be too. And we're all pissed and let's get pissed together, but we're going to be better now. And it's just, and it's always that. And and by the seventh straight loss, it's like, all right, come on, let's try to win a game at home. But I I, I get that point. But West Miller's what West Miller's absolutely the guy, but the guy offensively that you were talking about earlier, uh, I, I do think Jizzle has the potential to be that guy. I, and I hope he sees more minutes going forward because we need the offense but the guy up until this point was John Newman. And when John Newman doesn't play well offensively, the team looks lost. He scored two points yesterday. Uh, and again, he got into a little bit of a foul trouble. But it's like John Newman's not supposed to be the guy. He's not. Right. He's a guy that's supposed to help you tremendously on defense. And every once in a while, he can knock down a big three and drive to the hoop. That, that's John Newman. He's the toughest guy on the team. He's the leader of the team. But okay. if he's not playing well, somebody else has to step up. And we don't have that guy. Every once in a while, it's CMOS. Every once in a while, it's Skillings. Outside of that, sometimes it's Day-Day. Yeah, it is what it is. They're an inconsistent team because they have inconsistent players, and you could argue at the end of the day they don't have the better players. No, and I, I think Wes Miller will get eventually get to where he has the better players. I, that's I, what this I, comes I, down to. Think, All right, there's another guy that has better players. Yeah. I heard a press conference last night. I want to play that really quickly because ultimately at the end of the day, uh, we, we've been told, hey, what about U.K. basketball? What about U.K. basketball? Uh, UK, they got a big win uh, last night against Ole Miss. Ole Miss, not very good, uh, to be fair. But they got a win nonetheless. And they, and they held their team to, 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 I think it was like 60 points. They were in the 60s. Now, you would like to think that we would talk about after the game, defense. But instead, no, we went down this rabbit hole. So, in the NCAA tournament, you can't score 65, 63, 62. You can maybe in one game, but you'll get beat. You've got to be able to score points. We can do it. You've got to have a player that can go off in a game so you can advance. We have a couple of those. You can't be a high turnover team because the team you're going to play, they're in the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a low turnover team. We're a low turnover team. The issue is, will we be physical enough? The reason we were physical today, DJ's physical. Okay? Trey is physical. Ugana's physical. Adu's physical. Now you're playing four of your top eight are physical players. They're going to bang. That was one of our issues. 50-50 balls. We missed some today again. Justin didn't dive for the ball. 
He tried to pick it up with one hand and then threw it to them. 50-50 rebounds. Trey helped us today. We're still not where we need to be. And lastly, defensively, you got to be more connected. So if we get those things squared away, the hardest thing to be is what we already are. They're, you know, you're, you're, and if someone's not playing well, what can I do? I'll put somebody else in. What happened last year when we hit a game where we didn't have, and guy couldn't make a shot and we had to stick with him? We had no choice. There was no one to stick in. Now you've got, you got some different things. Shot blocking will also make a difference, and it does make a difference defensively. All right. So Cal, you know, really talked about a lot of different things there. And I think the biggest thing that I took away that Cal obviously enjoys about his team right now is they can score the basketball. He thinks that's very, very important. And it is important. But at the same time, the one thing about Kentucky that he consistently really kind of doesn't talk about directly is the fact that they just aren't very good defensively. And until they are, can you take them serious? I don't know. I do know this, though. Out of the past 14 national champions in college basketball with Ken Palm, only one team has been outside the top 25, and that was Baylor a few years ago, of defensive efficiency. Currently, as it stands right now, the University of Kentucky is 104th in the country in defensive efficiency. So that's, in my opinion, you can talk about all you want. And, and the one thing that I laugh about is, is that you can't score in the 60s and win the national championship. Well, no offense, Cal, but it just happened. It, it literally just happened. I don't know. I know maybe you can laugh at Virginia and you can say it was a fluke and they got beat in the round. You know, they did get beat. To be fair, they've gotten beat early a few years. So to what he's saying has some validity to it. But the idea that you can't win a national championship by scoring in the 60s, well, it's almost happened a few times. Now, UConn last year was, was just an elite team, period. Right? And you could say UConn this year is an elite team, period. And sometimes, ultimately, that's who wins is whoever has the damn, you know, just far and away the better talent. And I think UK for the longest time has been in a situation where they've had the talent. And that's where I think this UK fan base is so frustrated is that it's one thing they are, what they're, what they're seeing right now in, in, in big blue nation is the fact that the matter is, is that you can't have that. Like you almost, they have the best team in college basketball from, from just on paper. I think they have the best players. Now that might be argued. Some people might say that 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 down the road, but in about three or four years, when you look back at the at the list of names that are on this UK basketball team, I would be shocked not to say that they have the best players. Yeah, Antonio Reeves and Reed Shepard are elite. I think I I still again, if, you, if we're going to talk to uh, I believe a bracket guy tomorrow, but I have Kentucky still winning a couple games at least this year in the tournament. I, I think they're a Sweet 16 team, despite how bad they are defensively. Uh, I, I do think when it comes tournament time, whoever whoever can score at will uh, moves on, and I think they can score at will. I, I, I mean, they're one of the best offensive teams in the country. Um, now, at some point, you're going to have to play just a little bit of defense. They don't play any defense whatsoever. I watched uh, the game a little bit of the game against Gonzaga, and it just felt like every single time Gonzaga had the basketball, it was a point, which is not a good thing. 
But again, I, I, Kentucky plays in, in a brutal conference. I think the SEC is damn good. Uh, yep. And when you're playing good competition night in, night out, maybe your defense lacks and you're trying to focus on one thing to just be better at better better than the rest of the teams at one specific area. And they are better than pretty much everybody at offense. So I'll give them that. Really bad at defense, though. All right. Uh, Casey just let me know or informed me that we think that we got the call-in system taken oh. care of. So. If um, if you'd like to call in, you can do that by calling 888-513-2269. That's basically 888-513-CBOX, C-B-O-X. Uh, call in. Casey will let us know that we got somebody, and then we'll have a conversation about one of the topics that we're talking about now or maybe something else. We'll find out. All right. Uh, segue into the next topic, the Williams domino. Caleb Williams, obviously, we, we tease it at the top of the show, is a name that uh, is relatively, for a guy that's coming into this league uh, as, a, as, as a new draftee, has a lot of opinions on him already. Now, some of that comes from from his father, right? There's a little bit of a Lonzo Ball type situation where you have uh, Lavar uh, kind of inserting him himself into the mix. And I don't know if I don't know if I should compare the Ball dad to <laughs> Williams' dad. To be fair, I don't think it's that little crazy. different. Little different. It's a little different. However, there's obviously rumblings of him deciding that if somebody got the number one pick. He was going to sit out. That got that got rumor, got denied, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He obviously goes in the crowd. He cries. There's people that have opinions on that. So he's a little bit of a lightning figure coming into the draft. The crazy thing about all this, and this is what I was trying to, this is kind of what I want to talk about today, is, is that even in life, it's kind of like there's so many things that happen that are outside of your control that ultimately end up affecting you in either a positive or a negative way. But sometimes, as, as the story goes, the biggest blessing are unanswered prayers. If you ask general managers in this league what quarterback they would select if they had the number one pick, I'd say the vast majority of them select Caleb Williams. Yep. You could also do that same poll, to get into my point, last year. You could make that same poll, and now hindsight being 2020 you could convince me that everybody would say well no we would have taken cj stroud but obviously one franchise didn't that's right and i would be willing to bet that they're not the only franchise that would have decided to take bryce young over cj stroud now to be fair to bryce young i there's there's still time on the table left for him right can we all agree that your situation matters in the nfl and i think it matters significantly which gets me into the next point justin fields Yes, you've heard me talk about him at length. You've heard me call him a fidget spinner. I've, I've made fun of about the fact that think, oh, people think this guy's a franchise quarterback. But I do think that there is a little Cam Newton, a little Cam Newton in Justin Fields. There is some sparkability. There's the chance that one year, if everything's put together, I think that perhaps just the, 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 the universe aligns. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't miss time. And next thing you know, Justin Fields is arguably one of the better players in the league at the QB position. And so and behold, they might have a, a run at the Super Bowl. Do I think that, again, to be clear about my take with Justin, do I think that that's something that consistently can happen? No, I do not. But now you're in a position where the Bears have the ultimate power. They get to decide the future of what I would call a multitude of franchises. The Steelers being one. If you haven't seen... There was odds on where Justin Fields would go. And it just so happens now, his odds went from plus 1,600 
to negative 125 to go to the Steelers. Don't want that. So where are you at in this whole Justin Fields debate? What does he ultimately end up doing if he does get traded? Where does he go? If he goes to the Steelers, what happens to Kenny Pickett? Do any of us really actually believe that Kenny Pickett is a really good quarterback? Because I don't. And no. I don't think that many people do either. Serviceable, maybe. In fact, I would argue, and I, I know that uh, I'm sure that if this gets picked up in Pittsburgh, I could care less. But if it does, they're going to think that I'm a homer slappy. Meanwhile, as I do this show, everyone calls me a Bengal hater. Could care less. I think Jake Browning's better than Kenny Pickett. <laughs> and I truly do believe that. So I think Justin Fields would be a significant upgrade for the Steelers. But again, what do you have to give up in return to get that number one pick is the question. Yeah. If you trade your number one pick, certainly they're going after Caleb Williams. We all know that. I think at this point it's safe to say that the Bears have decided under two circumstances. Reed's Mouse's point has made this point profusely over the last... A uh, few weeks and he's right that you could just reset the clock it's not so much that you think Caleb Williams is significantly better than Justin Fields it's that you know that you're going to reset the clock on a very very expensive and important position a la the 49ers have with Brock Purdy Brock Purdy is a guy that we can all agree maybe he's a system quarterback maybe he's average maybe he's great it doesn't matter but at the end of the day he doesn't cost a lot of money which allows you to make sure that your cap can be forcefully put towards other things that make your roster quote-unquote elite. So if you are the 49ers and you get the ability to trade, you get not only do you get draft capital for whatever you would get in return for Justin Fields, which we can debate right here in a moment sure. of what is it, what is it is fair to get from Justin Fields? Should you get a first rounder? Should, or is that a little too much to ask? Um, but now it seems like the domino effect has started to fall is what I'm getting at. And the crazy thing is about all of this is that there's so many careers, I guess is the point of this. There's so many careers and there's so many arcs of different, the different storylines or I guess the overarching message of how this guy turned out versus that, tie, that guy that really have, have no real decision making. I think back to the Packers, of course, yes. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that they got based off of just pure luck. That's God's honest truth. Pure luck. Did, did, now, of course, there's a little bit of skill behind it. Did they know that they liked Aaron? Yeah, they might have known they liked Aaron. But Aaron was supposed to go in the top 10. If Aaron would have gone in the top 10, what's the future like for the Green Bay Packers? Who knows? There's not many times where you actually get to make the decision. The Bengals are one of the few. The Bengals knew they wanted, they wanted Joe Burrow. And they got to pick Joe Burrow. But more times than not, you don't get to make that decision. Someone else makes it for you. And the Houston Texans right now are thanking the, 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 the lucky stars, if you want to call it that, because they got an unbelievable quarterback that they might not have picked if they got the choice. So ultimately, what, is this, what does this do? The Bears at this point, does anybody believe that the Bears are going to actually hold on to Justin Fields and decide to trade that pick? It would make no – and again, I was on the side of, of keeping Justin Fields for a moment there. But I, I, do think, I do think it's time to reset. You take a reset. You take the best quarterback available. 
uh, and you move on. Because at the end of the day, I do think Caleb Williams probably has a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a good quarterback. I think he's a slept-on quarterback. Can Bryce Young be better? Sure. But I, I would argue that Bryce Young, in a terrible situation, mind you, in a very bad situation, showed, I would say, little to none, uh, little to zero, uh, big big moment success. He, he didn't show any, any lightning in a bottle, if you will. There was none there. Uh, and again, maybe that's Bryce Young. Maybe that's the absolute worst franchise ever in the Carolina Panthers. Maybe, maybe it's one of those two things. But to saying that about Justin Fields, I, again, I, I don't understand why you would keep him at this point. You move on. You reset. He hasn't, he's been okay. He hasn't been bad. I don't think he's a, f a fidget spinner like Trace says. I think, he, I think in, in the right situation, he can be a damn good quarterback. Uh, but it seems in that situation, there hasn't been enough signs of improvement to warrant keeping him. And, and that's where I am there. I, I, I think if Justin Fields were to go to the Steelers, I'd be a little bit, I would be a little bit afraid because now we're talking about two guys that are explosive with their feet as well as capable of, of throwing the ball deep like Lamar. Uh, and, and now it would be Justin Fields. I would be a little concerned about that as a Bengals fan. But – uh, from the standpoint of the Bears, yeah, you move on. You move on. It's time to go. I think I, I was on the same side of trying to keep Justin Fields, but you brought up something that I don't know many of us are thinking about, but what can you actually get for Justin Fields? You don't get anything if you keep him. You don't get anything uh, in return if he ends up being a, a bad player the next year. Well, so, you get the opportunity to trade the number one pick, to be fair, right? And if you trade the number one pick, you can you're gonna get that a, that's what you're going to get in return, is you're going to get probably a, a king's ransom based off the fact correct. that there's this perception that Caleb Williams is that guy. I and, don't disagree And maybe with you're that. betting on to, – to, I'm going to let you uh, finish this point that I'm going to make and see what you think about it. Maybe the pushback to what you're saying is whatever the Bears – draft grade is or what they ever they believe about Caleb Williams ultimately makes the decision if they think Caleb Williams is the guy and he's elite and right. they can't pass on him then they trade if they think you know what like I don't know man like I'm watching this guy's tape or I I've, I've seen these things I don't know if I believe wholeheartedly at it but by God some franchise does because they're calling me asking for you know the king's ransom then I think that's how the decision gets made you think that's true or no yeah I think I think you're onto something there um for me personally, from what I've seen, Caleb Williams, I don't think he should be considered one of these great, great all-time prospects. I think he's a good prospect. I think he is probably right there as one of the top quarterbacks in this draft class, but he's not a slam dunk to me, especially because of his uh, personality issues, the things that he said about the Chicago Bears already, saying that he would return for another season if the Bears didn't move out of that draft pick. That yeah, concerns me too. That's like, damning. Um, that, that's why I just don't feel like that fits for the Bears and what they want to do. Like, I feel like the safer bet is to just continue building out their roster, collecting these high draft picks, players that are going to have impact value, and then you go get your quarterback when the time is right. I don't know if the Bears are there yet. I don't know if they have what they need to be successful. Part of that, I feel like, is – a little bit of the coaching staff. I don't know why they would completely fire the entire offensive staff and not the head coach if they are going to end up trading Justin Fields anyways. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Usually when you do something like that, it's because you're getting a staff that's going to help out your quarterback. That's what I thought initially. Now with these rumors, it just feels like the Bears are still in that, like, you can't really trust them. 
part of the fate. Like you just can't trust what they're doing. So for me, I say you trade the number one pick. You just continue to build out your roster, get a good team together, and then go find your quarterback. I think it matters, too, what you can get from Justin Fields. Trace brought that point up, and I don't know what that answer is, but if you can sucker somebody right, into a first-round pick. What do you think the Steelers that, yeah, should give up? Between the, both of you, what do you think the Steelers should give up to get Justin Fields? Like How, how big of an impact they should would give he up. make? They should give up J.J., Cam Hayward, their entire defense for <laughs> for Justin Fields. It's their guy, right? Their franchise quarterback. I mean, I think, honestly, they should probably trade like a second-round pick for him, maybe it's, maybe even a third, because you got to pay him after the season, too, if he ends up working out. Like, you're paying for the contract as well. If you value Justin Fields as a, 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 an equivalent to a third-round draft pick, I don't think he's the guy you stick with, and I think that's right. what it comes down to. I think you can. I think you can sucker maybe somebody, maybe the Steelers into a first round draft pick. Because I, I think you look at Kenny Pickett, and I agree one hundred one thousand percent with Trace that that is not a quarterback that's going to be successful in this league. Uh, certainly not for a long period of time. I think Justin Fields is a higher upside, and if, if you're talking about winning now, uh, I, I, what, what's a quarterback that would be available for them in this draft at that spot? It would be the... Um, They're going to end up getting like a J.J. McCarthy type but, guy. And well, that's the thing with the Pittsburgh. It feels like of late, after Big Ben, they've been, they've, they've been such a good team. And I say good team. They're, they're, they've, they've, their draft position has never been... The Steelers' draft position has never been in a spot where they got to pick... They got their pick of the litter, per se. Right? Yeah. They're always on the back end trying to find out some diamond in the rough. That's where Kenny Pickett's come along. And again, that draft class that Penny Kenny Pickett was in from a quarterback perspective was was atrocious. Yeah, it yeah, was really right. bad. So, so not only did they not have one of the top picks, but they also drafted Kenny Pickett in a draft class where it wasn't that deep. Yeah. So now maybe if you believe in JJ McCarthy, by all stretch of the imagination, <laughs> yeah. go for it. I think the guy's not. The, I think it's. I, 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 can't, I mean, I'll tell you this. I can't uh, believe he's a first round talent. Well, the crazy thing is, and this is where just my mind's blown, is I watched J.J. McCarthy play, and not not a single not a single part of me thinks to myself, "Wow, this guy, he's going to be a guy in the league." I'm watching him, just hoping, "Hey, don't screw this up," because you got <laughs> literally the better, you got the best right. team in college football. You have an unbelievable defense. You have great weapons around you. Don't screw this up, J.J. And what does he do? He he literally the first play of the game against the biggest team they've played all year in Alabama. Well, maybe that's Ohio State. Point is, is that he literally throws an interception to nobody. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, maybe all. I shouldn't take one play out of context, but my point is, is there's nothing about J.J. McCarthy that makes me think, wow, this is the guy. I hope the, you can get him late in the first round. But if Pittsburgh does that, it feels like it's Kenny Pickett 2.0. Yeah, from what I've seen, and I'll, I'll mention some of the quarterbacks that they can get. Um, from what I've seen about the J.J. McCarthy conversation is that he never got a lot of opportunities to do things with the football and that there's some moments where he's like able to really throw it deep accurately stuff like that but i i don't get it when you have those limited opportunities you got to make the most of them it's not the other way around where occasionally you make something great happen that puts you up in that top conversation so i don't i don't get the jj mccarthy thing but guys that you would be able to get at that position for the steelers guys like bo nix michael Penix. JJ McCarthy, like th those three in itself would probably be nah, nah, nah. <laughs> You're not a Michael Penix guy? Not a Michael Penix guy. No. I, I think Michael Penix has a higher ceiling than JJ McCarthy. Oh, yeah. I, think, I would agree with that. But I, think again, I'm not. I think it's wild that somebody would take JJ McCarthy over Michael Penix Jr., but 
to each their own. Just saying all that, if if you can get a second rounder, and that's my answer, is a second round draft pick. If you can get a second rounder for Justin Fields, you trade him. A third round pick, we're playing. I don't. I, I don't even know what we're doing with a third round pick because if that's if that's what the talent you have for Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. I'm that. That is what I would evaluate his talent level as. Is that yeah. a third round pick? Because of the age and the the contract situation, like if this was in the middle of his con- rookie contract, you could probably get a first for him. And I mean, we would only have a couple years to evaluate what he's done so far. But yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't know what the Steelers should do there. It. it I don't think they should trade for Justin Did you Justin hear what Fields. Harbaugh said about J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I mean, that's wild. What a wild take that is. I mean, I've never seen a more oblivious thing ever said in my life. This guy's out here talking about how once they see the tape and once they get around him and they meet him and, they, and, and he throws for these teams, he's going to end up being he, – he wouldn't be surprised if he's the number one pick, which I get it. He's part of his guy. Some of that's a little, like, you know – a little stretching the truth is is maybe he would and maybe he just wants to say that because he he's just supporting his guy and he doesn't care whether it's true or not I don't know but the crazy thing is if you believe that if that's what you believed why is that guy throwing the ball 10 times in a football game against (laughs) I don't know Northwestern or something like seriously that makes no sense that's preposterous that's 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 a ludicrous that's almost like a West Miller type take that's a that's a that's a you're preaching to the choir there. I don't think you should put Wes Miller in that category. I don't think he's ever said anything that crazy. I don't know. Well, I mean, Jim Har- Harbaugh's in general. They got some. They got there's uh, there's some spectrum there. I'm not gonna slam. I'm not. Gonna- <laughs> I'm what not are you gonna- laughing at. I'm not gonna slander. I'm not gonna slander Jim. Jim's a Jim's a damn good coach. Are you suggesting there's no spectrum there? I'm. I, that's what I'm suggesting. I think Jim is a leader of men. And he does everything the right way. He runs a tight ship, a clean ship over there in Michigan. They did nothing wrong. Uh, and I'm a big proponent of it. But, no, I, I, J.J. McCarthy, I wouldn't draft that guy if my life depended on it. I mean, that's, that's – imagine – I mean, that's Kenny Pickett 3.0, 2.0. I'll tell you what would, be a, what would be a really bold take by the Steelers, and I wouldn't hate it if they went for it. I think that their team is set up right now where their quarterback play, and again, I'm not trying to kill Kenny Pickett, but their quarterback play can't get a whole lot lower. I don't think it can. So if they're able to compete relatively pretty, you know, pretty good. I mean, they do. They, they win eight, nine, ten games a year. With the quarterback play they've had, I would be interested in giving away a second or third round pick. You could convince me a second round pick if you can find terms and an agreement for, for Fields because Fields also looks – Fields also would like to have some kind of sense of, of solid ground to stand on. Buy low, if you want to call it that. Sell high. I think that you could realistically get in a room with Justin Fields and try to extend him, offer him some a fair money, but he's not going to want to – he shouldn't, but he's not going to want top, top dollar. Mm. Well, do you <laughs> – the that middle ground you're talking about is still like a thirty million dollar contract, which is insane for what quarterbacks are nowadays. And they don't they don't have the cap space for that either. That's the other thing we didn't talk about is even if they did get Justin Fields and he worked out, they're not gonna be able to pay him top dollar without getting rid of half their team. So I maybe that's almost unrealistic. Like it would be a one a one rental year and then they would have to hope that he's like average. Because if he ends up balling out, then they, they'd have to like get rid of most of their star defenders. Daniel Jones is getting paid forty million dollars. Daniel yeah, Jones. Daniel Jones. And I and I, and Reed put it in the chat that he would compare Justin Fields to a Daniel Jones type, and I think that's more than fair. 
Uh, and if you're going to pay Daniel Jones $40 million, I, I, I imagine Justin Fields going to be right around that number, which would be unfortunate for anybody who has to pay it. But that's the state of, that's the, state of the NFL. That's, that's what's you, going on here. you gotta, you got you to price the quarterback at a premium. Is Fields done enough to where he deserves it? Let's just say, for instance, he gets traded. I mean, you're betting on yourself to a certain extent, but if Fields has the same types of years he's had before, right? Maybe misses a few games, plays the same type of way he's continued to play. Does, is Fields going to get a contract somewhere? Or is he going to get a flyer, Casey? I, I think he gets a flyer, right? I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I feel like you could get – maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you could get Fields in a room and say, listen, this is a, this is a great organization, a great franchise. Yeah. We've done nothing but win here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have a cap situation. Here's what it is. I need you to take less money. We're gonna take. We're you're gonna have to take less money, but we're gonna offer a, a multi-year deal, and we're gonna give you the keys of the castle, and we're gonna let you have some stability here, and we're gonna promise you that we're gonna support you, and not every other year it's gonna be whether or not you're gonna be the guy or not the guy. This isn't Chicago. I don't know if that's a sales pitch or not, but that's what I'd go for if I was Pittsburgh. I think he. I think he consider it. I think he's aware of what's of what his career has been. His, his passing game has been not good. I, I would say. But what he can produce on the ground, I think, makes up for at least a team to take a flyer to at least one interest or express interest in him. Uh, 2022, he had 1,100 rushing yards in 15 games. That's unheard of. That's He had eight touchdowns as well in that. Uh, this year, not as good, 657 and four touchdowns, but he missed four games. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think a team would, would take it, and I think he would take it. I think I, I don't think he expects to be paid $35, $40 million. Yeah, he might. Uh, Craig in the chat says that Sport Track has fields projected at $44 million. That's just crazy That'd talk. That'd be wild. It's crazy talk. And then Reed obviously chimes in and says the basement for QB contracts are Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, which is around $30 million. Yeah, that's what I would expect. But. So it just feels like right now – as somebody that's always beating the drum of saying Justin Fields is, is just not that guy, I I do think if there was a time to strike on Justin Fields and try to see if there was something there, it would be a time in which would be now. Seems like his stock, not an all-time low, but it seems like his stock is being kind of um, portrayed as not that worthy because ultimately the, the Bears are – the Bears are showcasing that they've had him for how many years, and they they don't they don't theoretically desire him or want him anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. That's here nor there. All right, uh, we're going to go and do a quick little ad break here, and we will come back. We're going to talk about T. Higgins, what that deal might look like. Is that the right move for the Bengals? If they do do that, what's the ultimate return on their investment on the back end of that? If they don't get a trade, is it a Jesse Bates situation? We'll discuss that. More stadium talk, and as always. If you'd like to call in, you can. And um, but until then, I think we got a Bearcat report to read. Bearcats, yeah. they lost yesterday. Unfortunate. Yeah, uh, the Bearcat report that we did earlier on the show is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and. <sighs> Productivity. Productivity. <laughs> uh, the path to innovation begins here. Visit Encore.tech. Let me tell you about this lovely bottle of water right here. 
Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And get your coffee from UDF and get your technology you solutions. You almost did it again. You almost did it again. I know no, you. No, you almost no. did it again. Get your technology solutions. You almost from said Encore. bet with somebody. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, the call-in number. What is that call-in number, Casey? That's 888-513-2269. Yeah, 888-38-513-2269. It is literally, I don't know if you can see that uh, where my finger's pointing down, but it's that last little topic section there. You can see where the call-in is. It'll be there. Well, maybe we'll get something else to kind of um, make it a little easier to see. But, yeah, that's the call-in number. I, I have got it all pulled up, ready to go. Just waiting for you all to chime in and see if you have anything that you want to discuss. Uh, I think right now, though, we're going to be discussing a little Bengals talk here. And Bengals. Higgins and his um, – the rumors are that he's getting tagged, at least from The Athletic, is what it's – been reported um trace your thoughts on that well i don't have um you, you're uh, casey you, you've forgotten more about the Bengals' um decision makings in the front office than 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 i've ever you know remembered <laughs> so the thing the thing about uh, the situation that i think most people are trying to figure out one way or the other if they have a strong opinion one way or the other is that you don't want to find yourself in a position where you have t higgins again um, and you get nothing in return if he decides to walk so if you don't extend T. Higgins, which I don't know, that's that's maybe, I don't want to say a better question, but does it seem like a foregone conclusion now that, that T. Higgins is not going to get extended? You're going to have to let him walk based off the amount of money he's going to ask for, and he's just the odd man out because Jamar Chase is, you know, let's face it, Jamar Chase is a generational talent. Um, and that doesn't take anything away from T. Higgins. I think T. Higgins is a great receiver as well, but he also is coming off of a year where I think most would consider it a disappointment, right? Like there was times this year where Bengals fans were, you know, not done with T, but they're quote unquote pretty upset with T. Um, and he missed a few games. Yet, in the fact that obviously Joe got hurt, so that probably didn't help the cause either. Um, you tag him, and then what do you do? That's the question. I, if, if I may, I, I, I'll say this again. I love T. I wish he would stay here. But we have we had a clear issue last year defensively, and you're not going to be able to help the defense if you're paying T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. Uh, it, it just can't happen. It's not mathematically possible. Uh, I, I, I found this little nugget yesterday. So when, when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl in 21, the trio of Joe Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, they totaled $15.8 million against the cap. That's 8.1% of their total cap space, only 8.1%. After tagging Higgins, the trio will carry a total cap hit of $61 million. That is 24.2% of their total cap space. Uh, and that's before the Jamar Chase extension. That number could exceed 70 mil. So this is not one of those things where you, you can rationalize bringing everybody back. It can't happen. It's not the way the sport works. If this was the MLB and we were the Yankees, then maybe. But you're going to have to upgrade the defense. The defense needs an overhaul. It does. Uh, you, you can't look at what happened last year and, and not blame the defense for a large portion of those losses. It, any quarterback in the world had 15 seconds to throw, and, and then every receiver. Noah Brown is still open at Paycor Stadium. Noah Brown still has not been found by a Bengals defenseman. 
That's a fact. And, and if you're going to be able to improve the roster, you can't rationalize paying T. Higgins. And this is, and again, I'm, I'm going to bring this up too, and people aren't going to want to hear it, but Joe Burrow has been hurt. He has been. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are great for Joe Burrow, without question. But if Joe Burrow is unable to stay healthy, and then you're paying T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, and it's Jake Browning throwing to them, respectfully, I don't think it's worth it. I think you, you, the only case scenario it's worth it is if Joe Burrow's there or, or a, you know, a, obviously a great quarterback. Because if you can produce, you can mask some of the defensive inabilities with offense. You can. It's the Chiefs did it a couple years ago. If you score 35 points a game, your defense doesn't have to be uh, the 2000s Ravens with Ray Lewis. It doesn't have to be that. But right now you're at a point where offense went in and out at various points during last season and ended up not being the world's worst offense. But again, there were games where they just completely disappear. And you can't, you, can't, you can't have it all the ways in the world. You can't have the, the world's best offense and the world's best defense always. Sometimes it happens. The Chiefs, again, had a great defense this year, lacked a little bit offensively. Ravens, same kind of deal. But, I, but I'll, 49ers are, might be an exception because that roster was perfect. They still can't win, though. Um, I, I would argue that you're going you're gonna to tag T. Higgins and you're going to try your best to trade him. You're going to try your damnedest to trade him because I have a hard time believing you're going to let that guy just walk out of here and getting nothing in return. No no value to help replace him. Honestly, I think it really just boils down to how they would structure T's contract if they were ever going to get an extension done. More than likely, they're, they're only tagging him because they haven't figured out that those details out they haven't been able to square that away just yet with him also at the same time you're thinking about trying to pay jamar chase like i wouldn't be surprised if jamar chase got figured out first before t higgins and then they ended up signing t higgins to a deal um maybe even both at the same time like that those two seem like they're kind of a, a tandem and and determining what gets done actually first feel like if they can figure out Jamar Chase's contract, they can add that extra year of his uh, fifth-year deal onto that um, new contract that he'll sign, kind of like what they did with uh, um, Joe Burrow, that you could theoretically front-load T. Higgins' contract to where you can fit both those guys at the same time. Now, yes, you are probably sacrificing a position of need somewhere else, but the Bengals have managed just fine with some of those sacrifices throughout the last couple of seasons. I mean, they've made it to the AFC Championship game, and we didn't know where they would go this year. But they had a pretty damn good roster. Absolutely destroyed the 49ers. They had a really good shot, in my opinion, of at least making it to the divisional round in this uh, this playoffs and maybe even past that. Uh, but what ifs and nuts and butts and candy, whatever. Nuts the, and bolts were, uh, yeah. what was it? If, if, if candy not, and if, 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 if only's and butts were candies and nuts, yeah. then every day would be earned to donk fest. But that's your, that's your take. But oh, regardless, I think that T Higgins getting the tag doesn't necessarily mean that he won't get a contract. That's what I would say. I think that just means that it's prolonging the process. There's plenty of instances in, around the league where a guy has been tagged and then immediately given a, a contract. Actually, Chris Jones just had something similar happen to him just last season. He was given a franchise tag, and they restructured it to be a, like a two-year deal, a pseudo one-year deal where you uh, added a, a year on the back end that um, 
would extend out that contract. I could see something similar happening to T where we give him a franchise tag, we figure out Jamar Chase's contract, and then we restructure T Higgins' franchise tag into an actual deal that allows him to for both those guys to stay, and it makes sense. Since Jamar, and this is where maybe I um, I probably need to do a little more homework on how the NFL's contracts work, but I think Jamar, since he's made Pro Bowls in two seasons, there's there's incentives there to where I believe he's getting paid some more. I also believe that Jamar is in a spot where if, if I were Jamar and I was in his camp. I would like to make sure that the, the market gets set by Justin Jefferson first before I did a deal. Yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson just recently came out and said that he doesn't want to sign anywhere until the Vikings figure out a quarterback situation, which, I mean, that could be until the draft, which at that point, free agency's done. So I, I don't know what the point of doing that all is. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think in, in, in Jamar Chase's best interest is to wait. And same thing with Justin Jefferson. I think the, those two will probably be at a standstill for a large majority of this free agency. Unless, unless, like I said before, they kind of do this deal with both these guys at the same time, figure each other's contracts out first, and then uh, maybe they, you know, like let, let's just say T. Higgins gets the franchise tag and that's it. I would want to trade him. I don't think that that makes sense. But I do think if they were able to sign both guys to long-term deals and they worked out a way to like front-load one guy's contract and back-load the other guy, then yeah, I'd be all for that. Is it is it a relative, and this is where I'm just asking a question before I get burned in the chat, I'm just asking a question. Is it of a relative concern, though, that you're trying to overpay, and overpay is not the right word, but you're, you're paying premium dollars towards positions that you've had already and you've not really had an elite offense for it? Yeah, that's true, too. I would say that that is more of a concern about our offensive line. That's I think fair. the line has been the, the major concern in terms of where all the money's going and it's not producing the way that we thought. Um, T. Higgins and Jamar have been very valuable considering that they've been on their rookie contracts and both have put up 1,000-yard seasons together for last couple seasons. Um it makes more sense to me to sign those guys because you know what you got there. Um, but at the same time, too, Bengals have historically been really, really good at drafting receivers. They've been really good at developing receivers. And if I were, if I were the GM, um, I, I was basing my take off of them pretty much confirming that they're going to tag T. I wouldn't even have tagged T. I probably would have just um, uh, tried to sign him to a deal now or trade him. Those are my two two options. Um, the tag to me um, is too much money. I'd rather go get a Chris Jones. I'd rather go get a uh, Leonard Williams, a Christian Wilkins to shore up the defensive tackle spot, get a pass rusher. Um, the other thing too that that we really haven't discussed much in the Bengals community is that the right tackle spot in free agency is bare. It is very bare. I mean, Jonah Williams is the top tackle basically the, the best young tackle in the free agency class and you might have to pay him uh if you want to have similar or if you want to have decent talent there otherwise you're going to have another guy that's just uh, a rotating door for the next couple seasons until you figure out the draft in which again we've had this discussion too you got to get that right and we haven't been able to get an offensive lineman right in years so that's another 
tough part to this equation is do you even want to give T to the franchise tag? Cause it's cheaper to give Joe Williams the franchise tag. City would lose their minds if that happened. Yeah, that, I think the city loses their minds if that happens, Casey, because ultimately at the end of the day, Jonah Williams doesn't have a very positive outlook in this in this city. Regardless, I, I, I actually think that Jonah Williams is probably better than what the city wants to you know act like, right? I mean, he's been drilled so much, and some of that's to his own doing because he's acted like he didn't want to move spots and then became, oh, is he a team guy, not a team guy? Um, but he's, like you said, the best available right tackle in free agency. It all comes down to, and we've talked about this at length, um, it all comes down to the T. Higgins and the T. Higgins situation here uh, b- before we move forward is this. What do you get in return for T. Higgins if you trade him that we don't ultimately end up knowing, right? Yeah. And secondary part of that is is that we would all agree that you would be willing to trade pretty much anything and everything for a Super Bowl. I would. And I think that's – What? Hmm? I would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think. I think. Well, I think everybody would. I thought you said you wouldn't. I was no, like, I would. man, we got a whole other. We have. We got another hour show. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying that's part of the problem when you're inside of a front office like the Bengals right now. And I know that Joe Burrow said his window is his, his whole is his whole career. And I get what he was saying with that. And that's a fair statement. And I'm not sitting here debunking that or saying that that's not true. But there are certain windows of opportunities to have guys that are really, really good. Um, that obviously you know you can't ultimately keep that are going to have to go away. And you can try to kick the can down the road is not the right term to use here. But ultimately, you know you're probably sacrificing the opportunity maybe to have something on the back end in a few years from now based off the trade that you would have made for T. Higgins. But you could also say, you know what? We think we have just as good of a shot as anybody in the NFL to win the Super Bowl this next year. And T. Higgins is a big part of that. That is a dynamic or a situation that is very, very tough to manage. Because if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, nobody cares that they didn't they didn't trade T. Nobody no. cares that that ultimately they didn't get the right value out of T and they just let him walk in free agent a la Jesse Bates. I but guess- if you don't win, then you're in a spot where it's like, okay, you kind of spent you, you spent your money, and now you're looking behind, and you realize you ain't got no money left, per se, and you still need to go buy some goods. Yeah, I mean, the the inevitable thing that you're trying to portray here is, I mean, you could use that money for sure up the defense, which was 30th in the league last year. I mean, that, that can't be denied. But what can like you that. do to push back on that point really quickly? And this is where it's being a general manager is hard. And that's where depth is a really important thing. And you got to draft well consistently in order to have a great team, as we all know, because somebody might get hurt and you got to be able to put some guy right behind him that is ready to go. And it, I mean, it happened to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And arguably their best defender goes down and they had to put in a backup. And serviceably, you know, I, there wasn't a huge difference there. Now, maybe you could argue that Greenlaw would have made a play that we would have never known about because he would have been out there and not the backup. But my point to you is this is that what do you do defensively that makes you think one or two guys that shures that whole thing up? Because the linebackers you've signed, which were a disappointment, you could argue the interior defensive line or maybe an edge rusher, maybe Sam Hubbard isn't the guy anymore. But your back end and your secondary is relatively young to where at this point, you can't, like, you can't just give, I don't want to say give up, but you can't act like those guys aren't going to be good. Right, they might but, end up being great players. They just you just need a little bit of time. 
Yeah, but I mean, I could argue that, I mean, adding a guy of Chris Jones' caliber that's going to be on every three downs is going to be just so beneficial for the Bengals on defense. I mean, what he's able to provide for you. I mean, there's uh, it depends on who you're who we're talking about here. I mean, most people are looking at shoring up that uh, pass rushing defensive tackle spot. Personally, I, I would go for another edge rusher as well. I could add another corner. Like, I know we went out and got uh, DJ Turner uh, in the second round last year, but could you imagine him being your third corner? I mean, that's – like, could you get a Jalen Ramsey-type corner in the in the draft or uh, Patrick Sertan or something like that in, in free agency this year? I don't quite remember who's all available in the corners, but I know it's a really talented defensive class this year in free agency – and they've got a lot of money to be able to try to sure up some of the holes that are on the roster. Um, that, that's what I feel like they should do. I, I feel like you should trust in their – the Bengals should trust in their abilities to draft and develop receivers, do what they've done for years now at this point, and let T either be traded or walked. I, I To me, the money is more important – being able to structure a team to sure up as many holes as possible is more important than making uh, the receiving class, which or this receiving depth that we've had for years, um, stay the same. Because it's not really provided any fruit other than losing a Super Bowl, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just yeah, getting the Super Bowl is an accomplishment. But I get your point. I, I really the again not to quote Billy Bean all the time. But if you don't win the last game of the season, nobody cares. Yeah, like if you believe in Joe Burrow, like he is that dude, that his window is his entire career. That's basically what Mahomes just did, right? I mean, he his entire career is going to be a Super Bowl window. He did it with literally no receiver help. Just yeah, it's a hits. great point. I mean, to you, to to, uh, I think what happens is, is you have a situation now where do you want to try to replicate or do you want to try to do what the Chiefs did? which is seem, it seemed crazy at the time, and it continues to seem somewhat crazy because Tyree Kill seems like a generational talent. Tyree Kill seems like a Hall, of Famer. A, a Hall of Fame player, immediately makes a team significantly better on the offensive side of the ball. And they just they, they got rid of him. They got rid of him. Yeah. It allowed them, obviously, to go out and maybe do some things that – and I don't pay attention to the Chiefs enough to be able to sit here and talk uh, specifically about what they did. But ultimately, if you have a defense like the Chiefs had – and you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, and you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, is what you're arguing, is that really, I'm not saying you could throw anybody out there, but it seems that if you have a competent system with a great quarterback, they can make it work. Yep, right. The question is, we don't have time for this today. The question is, is, is the, do the Bengals have a competent system? Right. Or is Andy Reid just so significantly better than Zach Taylor, that you can't replicate the Chiefs because you don't have Andy Reid. You have Zach Taylor. That is a question that we could talk about another day, but ultimately that is maybe the issue at, at hand with, the, with, with what we're talking about in general here. We're yeah. saying if you, if you bare bones the offense, you give, if you give Burrow a great line, which we got to figure out a way to do that first, but if you give Burrow a great line, do you need to spend so much capital on these receivers? Or is receivers, as Reed would like to say, a dime a dozen with running backs? Yeah, and I mean, like, this also includes just keeping Jamar Chase. If you have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, like, 
you can figure out the the offensive line and go from there. I mean, you you have your your core main offense. The rest should be role players. In all honesty, that that's how I envision the Bengals winning something big is having put a lot of money into the defense, only keeping really Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and a competent, good enough offensive line in front of them to give you 24 to 28 points a game. All right, chat poll question of the day here. Um, I know I'll give you a minute to obviously punch that all in, but yeah. let's do this. Uh, what what would you rather see the Bengals do this offseason? A, find a way to extend T. Now, granted, Jamar Chase is still out there, to be clear, right? I'm not saying that they're going to find a way to, to get Chase and T done, but you would like to see T extended. You want to just tag T, you trade T, or the final option, the final option would be sign Jonah or tag Jonah. That would be wild. So tag T, sign T. Tag T, sign T, extend T, tag Jonah instead of T. And essentially at that point, you got to find uh, – I think – I, I think that, that option might in, ensue protests outside of Paycor if you if they did that. Casey, if they if they if they, they if they tag Jonah, you think that that is that crazy? I don't think that's as crazy as, as um, you might believe. Just because you have to look at what is available to you in this class. There's Tyron Smith, which is a really good tackle, but he has one of the worst injury histories of all time, and he's a left tackle at that. Irv so, Smith Jr. Uh, <laughs> Or Smith Jr. Um, you're you're looking at guys like Trent Brown, who also have had crazy injury history. Um, guys that are super um, non-athletic talent, super old guys. Jonah Williams is one of the youngest right tackles, a guy that has position versatility, one of the youngest right tackles that is average. And on top of that, he's average in a division that has T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett. And a Baltimore defensive line that was first in pressures and sacks this year. So, I mean, I just – I think there's a lot of uh, – I, I get Letting people T are saying – Letting T walk would be wild. Wild. I don't want them to let T walk. I want them to be and on, signed. And, and, but, honestly, and honestly, it would be organizational malpractice. <laughs> But to, there's to, there's to allow it to happen. But there's less because money. I, there's less go, money if, in 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 tagging who's, Jonah. Who's more valuable, T or Jonah? Well, this year is Jonah. He's more, and it's he's, it's not even an argument that this year is Jonah. You can get, T wasn't even on the field for most of the year. Could you trade Jonah for more than what you could trade T for? I think the offensive lineman position is, is more important than the receiver position. But I have a dumb question, and I just don't know the rules in the NFL. Can you tag and trade? Can you tag and trade and then continue and get your tag back? Or is that once you use your tag, it's gone? Like if you're it's if once, the player I, that you, I think it's once you tag, it's gone. All right. So you don't get an option to, to be able to utilize your tag. And then once your tag leaves the team, Correct. you get to use the tag yeah. again. I don't yeah. think so. I don't, I don't I, think so. I, I would mean, encourage. I'm trying here. It's not like, it's not like <laughs> the challenge in the NFL. You get it right. You can just have it right back. So I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think that would be arguably the worst decision in the history of any sports franchise. I would encourage anyone that thinks that Jonah's terrible to just do a little do a little research on the offensive tackle class in this free agency because it's not great. And you would be banking on a draft pick then at that point, which I'm not willing to do. I've seen what that what that yields for the Bengals. 
I'd rather them be able to do something that they know that they've been good at for the last couple seasons, and that's drafting a receiver. And I think that goes with me, what Reed and I have discussed time and time again on this on on the shows is that you know I would rather, I guess tag and trade is my option A. Signing him is option B for him, and option C is for me being able to keep Jonah, and that probably means tagging again or I don't know signing him to what T's money would be. It's just not a good – they're not in a good spot. I'll, I'll say we'll that. put the chat poll question up. Yeah. We'll see what the I'll, people yeah, say. Yeah, I want to see if that gets zero votes. We'll see what – we'll see. You, you think – so to be clear, Jonah you, be, you think Jonah's going to get zero votes? Zero. I think so. – now that I've said it out loud, I think somebody's going to be silly with it and they're going to vote for it. Well, of course that, yes. But but up until that that moment where I just said that out loud, it would have gotten zero because that that's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. There it is. Let's see who's going to be the funny guy. Somebody's going to be a funny guy. Yep, funny guys. Um, but that's fine. Yeah, I, again, I think T. Higgins can get you more in a trade, and that's what it comes down to. Oh, right. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree that T. would give you more in a trade. It's more or less what is more valuable to the Bengals this very second. Is it T., your second receiver, that's hardly on the field or is it Jonah Williams that played every single down last season that gave you serviceable right tackle play every tackle that we get in this free agent class is going to struggle mightily against TJ Watt Miles sure. Garrett and that to me doesn't matter at this point I it used to bug me a lot but there's just so many there's not there is not a tackle in the NFL that doesn't struggle against those guys. There's only a few. Trent Williams is one of them. Right. And that's where the and schematics that, of the offense could help, right? Like, right. Like, like, like at some point, you just take the Tom Brady approach when he was late in his career, and the ball is just coming out. The right. ball is coming out quick. Good. I mean, if you're going to sack Joe Burrow, it's going to be tough to do because ultimately at the end of the day, he's getting the ball out quick. The issue is that when you have T. Higgins and you have Jamar Chase, it's very easy to sit – behind a mahogany desk when you're when you're writing up the plays and you want to utilize their athleticism and you want to use utilize their talents as much as you can and they're running longer extended routes because ultimately at the end of the day that allows them to be elite more so than you know no no offense to Yoshi but you know ultimately a slant's a slant you catch the ball right and yes you can run a slant a little bit better than the next guy but a little bit more developing routes is where you start to see the elite wide receivers versus maybe some fifth-round pick out of BYU. So my point is is that I understand why the Bengals at times allow these longer developing plays to exist because they want to utilize these elite receivers. But the problem is is that they have this, this, this issue, which is whether they have a bad offensive line or not is irrelevant. They play in a division that has elite defensive line. So if you're not going to be able to block, then it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how elite your receivers are if you're getting sacked in the backfield. Right. So they are in a tough spot because they've not drafted. Let's face it, the real issue in all of this is they have not drafted the offensive line position well at all. In fact, not well at all, horribly. So if they were able to do that, then we're having a completely different discussion about a lot of things. We wouldn't even be talking about Jonah even being a tagging possibility. 
And to be fair to you, like it or not, if they had taken the kid that was in the fifth round that ended up uh, Dewan Jones, maybe they, they, it's not being considered at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it is being considered at all. I, I think there's no consideration. Maybe <laughs> zero. I don't think there's been less consideration for anything than the idea that you're going to tag, as Casey said, a mediocre lineman. No, no, I'm not suggesting that they, that they would. I'm suggesting that they should. Because yeah, that's it's, even it's worse. That they that they should because it's that's cheaper. far worse than what than the, what I was giving you. I was giving you the out. I, that's terrible. They should they should do that and let T just walk away. And T no, just, no, no, no. They should sign T and tag Jonah. Okay, because so jo- they, Jonah okay, Jonah Jonah is not going to want to stay here. That makes more sense to me now. Okay, if if you're including signing T in there, then yeah. Now now we're talking. By the way, uh, because I said it out loud, I believe the Jonah sign. Uh, I believe that's going to be winning. No, it's uh, right now we have tag T at 36%, uh, followed by a tie at 25%, but it's actively moving. People are voting. Uh, trade T and Jonah, Jonas sign slash tag is relatively tied, and then sign T is is at 14%, which is, um, you know, hey, I think this is part of the fun that obviously is the NFL. They've got a lot of time to figure out what's going to happen. The draft is what it is. And that's the other part of this that you just don't know what's going to end up happening is who do the Bengals ultimately end up getting? They are very much a best player available franchise, as most are now. So who slides to them? Because this happens every single season. And the good news is for the Bengals is that you have a lot of teams that seem to be stretching on wanting to be able to get themselves a quarterback. It happens every year. Yep. Could you imagine being a franchise right now? And again, maybe you'll clip this later and I'll make a fool of myself. I have done it before. I'll do it again. Could you imagine being a, a fan of a franchise right now and, you, and you're looking through the mock drafts and you come to realize that they're going to take J.J. McCarthy <laughs> with the 16th pick in the draft and that's going to be the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land? Have you watched J.J. McCarthy at one point in college football and thought to yourself, holy smokes, man, that guy's the difference? Because <laughs> I haven't. The- I think he's serviceable. I think he's serviceable. I think he's a decent quarterback, but am I exhausting a first-round pick on a guy? No. I've seen a couple of mocks. This one from CBS has the Bengals getting your guy, Amarius Mims, 6'7", offensive tackle, 340 pounds out of Georgia. That's one guy I haven't been able to watch much of because he was always hurt, but uh, oh, he, well, he was, he was good. He part was of the good. problem, yeah. Mims has been hurt. Um we have, you know, the uh, crazy thing, really quickly, not to cut you off, I'm going to let you do this, but the crazy thing is, is there's been Georgia offensive linemen that have been really good college players. Yeah. Really good. And it seems like, and again, not to make fun of Casey's RAS scores and all that, but it's like they don't, sometimes they don't take those guys because whatever, they're undersized or this, well, that, and the other. It's like, they, I don't know, I don't know, but like, it's not like the guy was playing like at, at, at Miami or Akron or something. He's playing in the SEC. Yeah. Like if he's if he's if he's a high level player in the, arguably if not really not arguable but well I'm trying to be nice arguably the best conference in college football you'd like to think that he can perform David Andrews I don't know if you remember this but David Andrews was their center a four year starter at Georgia didn't even get drafted got picked up by the Patriots and I'm like he's the best lineman that they had mm-hmm. he yeah. played like 12 years for the Patriots yeah. I don't – sometimes, like, things get maybe a little more complicated than they need to. But well, go ahead, Elliot. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say another mock I saw 
was Brock Bowers falling to the Bengals, another Georgia guy. And can I admit this? Yeah. I love Brock Bowers. I appreciate everything he's done at Georgia. But I'll also say, listen, the guy has been banged up a little bit. He's been a freak. He's a freak athlete, yes. But I, I'll say something I think is somewhat crazy to say, and I love Brock Bowers. Okay, Guy won two national championships at Georgia. You love him. And I won't say a bad thing about him, you but what I, what I will say is I think that when he was a freshman at Georgia – Okay. First of all, he's an unbelievable kid, works incredibly hard. He he should have, and I hope he has a great NFL career. This setup that you're doing, I you're about to slander him. No, I'm not. I'm not going to slander him. Ever I'm not going to slander him, but I'm going to let everybody know this. I'm going to let you know. This is my thing about Brock. Okay. I think he's a relatively the, about the same player, about the same type of player when he was a freshman as he was when he's going to leave. Now, you could say he's elite, period, unbelievable. But when he was a freshman, he was unbelievable. And when he was a junior, he was unbelievable. And again, when I use the word unbelievable, I mean like he was damn good. But that would concern me a little bit because of the injuries more than anything. A little bit injury prone. I'm not saying that he's injury prone. That's hard. That's, that's, you're playing a position, okay? You're playing a position that is a very gritty position. You're asked, you're asked to block. You're asked to mix it up with linemen. And then, obviously, you're asked to go out and run routes. I just don't know. And, again, I don't know enough about modern medicine. And this is where the Cincinnati Bengals have professional staff on hand. It's just scary to me to draft a guy like that, that the last time he played competitive football, he has been banged up. He got hurt, got the, 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 um, the ankle surgery, came back, played three or four or five plays in a game, and then kind of get banged up, limped to the sideline wait a couple possessions, come back out, give them all the credit in the world for being tough enough to want to do that. But my point is, is you're expending draft capital at the very, very top of the class, top of the draft, on a tight end nonetheless. I just wouldn't want it to be a Pitts situation is what I'm getting at. Oh, well, I don't know if Pitts really had the opportunity to, to shine there in Atlanta. That's fair too. You could also say that's the case. But I, 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 would, take, I would take Bowers. But at the same time, if they – if they tag T, I have a really hard time thinking that they'll get Bowers. Bowers, to me, is a receiving threat more than anything. I know he could probably do well in the in the run game, but that's not you're not you're not uh, expending the the first pick in the NFL draft at tight end unless you don't have T. Then he becomes that number two threat. Michael Rolfe says he's made of glass. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a little slanderous. I'm not trying to go that far. Yeah. I mean, made of glass, the guy's a pretty tough kid. Um, played in all the big games. He just was – he wasn't himself. And maybe you could argue he didn't – he came back too early. Yeah. Which is, which is an admirable thing. Kid didn't have to come back, right? For all the things that people want to complain about, guys sitting out and guys that, you know, for, for lack of a better term, um, you know, don't play in meaningful bowl games because – you know they want to make sure their draft their draft stock stays high. Brock Bowers isn't isn't that. He came back and you know probably wasn't ready. So I'm not trying to slander Brock. I'm just saying though I would have a little bit of hesitancy. He's a nice kid to take to take Brock, and he might end up being an all time tight end. And as Reed pointed out in the chat, having an unbelievable tight end that can catch the football is a is a huge weapon. Obviously, it's it's almost like you're getting you're getting premier output at a position that traditionally doesn't you know doesn't put yeah. hardly any output out at all 
Reed thinks that one's a dime a dozen as well. He thinks that that position. I think Reed thinks every position in the NFL except for the quarterback. Yeah, that's what it is. Is a dime a dozen. Is, yeah, but right. Uh, but yeah, that, that's it. I, I, those are the those were the two draft picks I saw the Bengals getting. Uh, either one would be okay with me. Obviously, if Amarius Mims is hurt all the time, that wouldn't be good. But yeah. there's there's actually this offensive tackle class is pretty deep. To be honest with you, like the the first round talent there. There's probably like five or six guys that they could get at the right tackle spot that would be a, a decent addition to the offensive line in terms of depth. But that's kind of why I would want to have – let me explain my reasoning for wanting to tag Jonah and then maybe even doubling down in the off in the draft and drafting a guy. Um, mainly because you're getting that transition there. Like you're not having to pay Jonah Williams for a long-term amount of money. And you're not having because we know that we don't really want that as a long term answer. But at least if you do that, you give yourself time to draft a guy, develop a guy. Um, a guy like uh, uh, th this will pique some people's interest Tyler Guyton. He is your prototypical size. He's got all the athleticism, but he struggles with his hands, and, and the balance there is a little off. If we're going to be able to develop a guy into something like he is the perfect mold for Eagles you to have a good to... track record of that. <laughs> right. I don't know. I didn't mean to kill you like that, Casey. You look like you just took a bullet <laughs> right in the guy. chest. He's a good I, kid. I, listen, I, I, um, I do think some of it is just luck. Are we allowed to say that? I think some of it's luck. I think a lot I of it's think, luck. I think, it, I is think luck it is too, man. I, I really do. I think that that. I think at the end of the day, Ryan Poles is in a position to cap this whole thing off, and, and we'll get into some stadium talk right after this uh, point. Ryan Poles is in a position that I don't think a lot of general managers would actually want to be in. They might say they want to be in it. They might act like they want to be in it, but they don't really want to be in that. And that is, is that you get to make the decision. It's your choice. You don't get to blame the fact that somebody else took your guy. It's a lot easier to sit back and say, well, we got Kenny Pickett because, well, we win eight, nine games a year, and at the end of the day, he's the only guy left. He's a Pittsburgh guy. We, we gave it a chance. But when you're sitting there at the top of the draft like Ryan Poles is there, this is it. Ryan Poles' job is on the line. You get it right, you're a hero. You get it wrong, be careful, because in Chicago they might boo they might boo that, uh, I don't want to go that far, but they might boo a widow. Which Ryan Poles might be booed to hell and back if he doesn't get this right. We'll see what he ultimately does. But the crazy thing is, is what Ryan Poles decides to do ultimately might end up affecting the Bengals. Maybe in a positive way, but maybe in a bad way. Because if you believe in Justin Fields, the last thing you want to see is him come into your division. That's correct. Uh, and I do somewhat believe in him, by the way. Final poll, final results of this poll. Uh, tag T, 35%. That is your winner. Jonah signed slash tag got 20%, which is more than it should have gotten. But I made a big stink about it, so the funny guys had to vote. Sounds like the, that that was your fault then. If you wanted a nice, fault. clean, fair election... You would have not. You would have not. You're you would have not. You would have not done that. I made. I made an error in judgment. That, but that's fine. Uh, so I. I wanted to do this real quick because we were talking about it. We're gonna talk about the uh, some stadiums, MLB talk. Uh, I had. I had some nuggets from yesterday. Uh, the nuggets of yesterday for for anybody who missed any of this. I, I, I'm gonna read it out loud now. 
The College Football Board of Managers expected to vote on the five and seven playoff formats. So that's the five yep. power conference winners and, and the seven uh, high, highest seeds. Yep. That will be voted on today. Uh, ESPN and the College Football Playoff are in agreement of a six-year, $7.8 billion rights extension. Congratulations to ESPN. Uh, Go ahead and say your guy, too. $7.8 billion. What was that? Go ahead and just say your guy, too. Why as well? well? Who's my guy? ESPN and who? And what do you mean, and who? Who's my guy? Who? You know who. I don't know who. I'm going to keep He reading. was at the UC game last night. Oh, that's right. So Herbie? Yeah. I'm surprised his dog wasn't there yesterday. He loves showing around. <laughs> oh, he loves showing around Ben the dog all around the world. Uh, the, the Devin Booker became the second highest scorer in franchise history uh, in their 130 to 125 win over the Kings. Congratulations to Devin Booker. The Magic retired Shaq's jersey, 32. Uh, Kirk Casale, king of the uh, injuries. Uh, he signed with the Marlins on a deal in North Carolina. Uh, again, they've lost three of five. We were, I thought Trace was going to slander the Big 12 on the show. I came ready to defend it, uh, and North Carolina stinks. So No, all I said was, and we're not going to get off track We're not going to do stadium talk. We're not going to get off track. All I said was is that sometimes when these leagues get hyped up as much as they are, and the Big 12's getting hyped up like, oh, my gosh, you know, look how great. Everybody in this league is unbelievable type thing. Just I'm just a little wary of that. I, 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 I'm not – I'm not saying the Big 12 is not a great league, and I'm not suggesting that the Big 12 isn't a good conference. All I'm saying is that let's be careful in acting like every single team in this league is good. Most of them are. And that's not me just, saying it. That's the, that's the analytics. That's the that's statistics. Fine. That's the rankings. We'll see, how, we'll, see how March, we'll see how March plays out. That we will. Uh, and finally, and this is what we'll segue into our final topic, the Royals are set to build a brand new stadium in the heart of downtown Kansas City. That's right. If you don't know, uh, Kansas City just announced that. Casey, if you can, pull that up. Um, pull up the renderings. Renderings, you know what's unique about uh, new things and stadiums and all that? It's always, always almost like the renderings are better, more appealing, if you want to call it that. More appealing than the actual stadium itself. Because the, the, the renderings that they have look, look amazing. Yeah, I just don't know if it'll actually look as amazing as it will in real life as they made the renderings look. I think this is what you're talking about. Yep, that's it. Go ahead and make that. Uh, so you can see there, they obviously got the fireworks in the back because they want it to look cool. They did keep the fountains. That's I, new. That's that's cool. I like that. Wait, but is they're this in, in downtown. This is downtown. They're moving it to in downtown. Ooh. And uh, go ahead and go to the next one. You can see right there at the bottom of the screen. For those that don't know, that is the um, T-Mobile Arena. Uh, which they have the Big 12 tournament in, which is right downtown. We've been right yeah. near that. Yeah. Um, they have kind of like a little district there, and they have a walkway. Look at that. They have a walkway. Now, will it ultimately end up looking like that? I don't know, because it seems like every time they do something like this, the renderings, it never ends up being exactly the same. But here's the thing. That is, what you just seen is essentially exactly what it could look like with a high-level, nice-looking arena next to a major ballpark. Hmm, where could, where could that could possibly go? I don't know. At what point does Cincinnati pull the trigger? I don't know. We've talked about this at length, at length, at length. It ultimately ends up coming down to when can we possibly maybe get another professional franchise in? All right. We have uh, this ought to be fun. I'm going to grab my headset. Casey, <laughs> Casey, you can bring him on. Bring him on the show, man. Let's see what we got. This is going to be funny. Hang on one second. All right. Casey's trying to work through the, the technical. All right. I think we've got this guy dialed in 
Caller? We got a caller. We caller, got what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Matt from Middletown. Hey, baby. What's up, Matt? Go dogs. That's way. right. Go dogs. <laughs> so, back to this tea topic. I hope we uh, start a backtrack on you. No, that's but, okay. Uh, your, your, your YouTube's just like, what, like 30 minutes behind on the yeah. ticker? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's something all right. Like that. What's up, Matt? Uh, so, in my opinion, the best, the best thing the Bengals can should do if they were a normal franchise, which I think we can all agree they're not a normal franchise, is to tag and trade T. And the reason I say that is I don't think any of us can trust the Bengals to draft correctly if they were to tag and trade for a draft pick. Would you agree with that? Well, they've hit on some draft picks. Like, I think that we've been – they've hit on some draft picks at the top of the draft. Cam Taylor Britt's also a very good player. Um, they've hit on some draft picks. The question ultimately comes down to – you know, how much do you value T, in my opinion? That's really what this ultimately comes down to. If you think T is a guy that you can't replace or if you do let him walk or you do tag and then trade him, when you trade him away, it's going to be very hard to replicate what you're going to miss if he's not here. And let's be honest, T's had some very, very big moments. He, he made an unbelievable catch in the end zone uh, in the AFC Championship game that they ultimately end up losing. Yes, he was a touchdown scorer in a Super Bowl. He, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he single-handedly won the Minnesota Vikings game earlier this season. So it's not like he's a, a nobody. But at the same time, what's your what's your thoughts on the fact that if they decide to 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 basically trade him, what do you think they get in return that you ultimately are desiring in the first place? Well, I think you'd have to get at least a second second round pick for him, which I don't know if you'd get that, but. I think really what it comes down to is how how good do you think Joe Burrow is? Because if you look at Patrick Mahomes and what the Kansas City Chiefs did, I mean, let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes did it with almost no one. He had Travis Kelsey, which could be your equivalent to, to uh, Jamar Chase in the Bengals situation as an elite player that he can throw to. But if you look around, he really didn't have anybody else out there that was really worth anything. So... But what you he know, does it, have, it, what he what he does have though, is he does have a good line, and he does have the ability to turn the ball, turn the turn turn around and hand the ball to to Pacheco. And you can say whatever you sure. want. I don't know if I'm now I'm, I'm saying Pikachu's name right, but my point is, is that guy's actually a pretty damn good player too. Like I think that we sleep on Pacheco a little bit. Now again, will Joe end up having that um, with uh, with the running back they just got out of uh, Illinois? I can't think of his name on top of my head. Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Will they have Chase Brown? Will he be like Pacheco? Maybe. But the one thing that Mahomes does have that Burrow's never had, to be fair to Burrow, is a pretty damn good offensive line. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I think if you're going to invest all the money you've invested into Burrow, then you shouldn't be you shouldn't be concerned about getting rid of T. Higgins. Like you should you should you should be confident enough in the guy that's playing quarterback that he can make do with whatever weapons you give him. I mean, when you're paying a guy that much money, you you almost have to commit to that. And you've got to commit to building the infrastructure around him with the money that you have from a cap space standpoint. To, to your point earlier in the conversation, the defense needed a lot of help and needed to basically rebuild that defense. You should feel confident, in my opinion, as a franchise to say, you know what, 
we can get rid of T, we can build around him with other pieces, but really we need to make sure the defense can withstand a, a full season and, and keep us in games when we're in shootouts. Fair enough. Casey, you have something to add? Yeah, uh, I was just going to add to your um, your point about what you could get for T. Higgins. I remembered that the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown, and I wanted to uh, kind of bring that back to light a little bit to kind of enlighten some people, some folks, about uh, how similar these two guys are in, in terms of their careers at this moment in time and when the trade actually happened. A.J. Brown was traded for the 18th and 101 pick in the NFL draft. They subsequently then gave him a deal, a four-year, $100 million contract that was $57 million guaranteed. At that point in time, A.J. Brown, the year before, had 63 catches, 869 yards, and five touchdowns. He had only surpassed 1,000 yards his first two seasons, the highest being 1,075 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2020. That is almost exactly where T. Higgins is today, maybe a little less in terms of what uh, the year uh, that he had this year. I think he only had like four or 500 yards or something like that. Sure. But I think you could, in theory, I think you could maybe get a first-round pick for him. I mean, the 18th and 108 or 101, that's really good uh, value there for a 24-year-old receiver, which also T. Higgins is 24 years old. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the Bengals can get more than a second-round pick for him if they do, in, in fact, trade uh, tag and trade him. Um, Casey, I had a question for you. I had a question. Yeah. yeah so what's up? what teams do you see in the first round right now that let's – let's just say hypothetically we tag and trade T. We, we go after – go for a team that's going to give up a first-round pick. Which of those first-round teams with a first-round pick right now need an elite receiver that would be willing to trade for him and give him that kind of contract that you see? Well, uh, funny enough, the, the Titans. The Titans really need a, a, <laughs> a, an all-pro receiver after trading their all-pro receiver. Um, and and on, on top of that, I mean, you're talking about familiarity with T. Higgins, with the Brian Callahan now being the head coach down there. Um, I think that w would make a lot of sense. I think that's a little too high, though. That's a top 10 uh, first round pick out of the other teams that might need a elite receiver. If the Colts don't end up trading or if they don't end up tagging or signing Michael Pittman Jr., I think maybe they could be interested. That's only three picks ahead of us, but that's three picks ahead of us in a, the first round of the draft. That's not too bad. That's pick 15. I could see us uh, maybe combining those two picks and maybe trading up even further, get a guy like Brock Bowers if we wanted or Marvin Harrison. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, th th those are the, the thoughts that we have to kind of go through. I, I, in my opinion, it's the Colts and the Titans. Those are the two teams I'd be looking at right now that might be interested in doing something like that. Maybe even the Jets. I know the Jets only uh, – they've got um, – who's their receiver? That Do they have the cap space, though? Garrett Wilson. Do they have the cap space? Oh, the the Jets, they probably don't have the cap space either. But, again, I think the Colts definitely have the cap space and the Titans. Those are the two teams I would look at, at possibly trading up for. All right. Anything else to add, Matt? No, I'm good. I've hijacked your show. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I Thank you, you hijack Matt. a show. You, you called in. We appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Go dogs. Yeah. You have go dogs. That's right.
All right. Um, yeah, I mean, we could obviously segue off the, the T thing because we talked about that relatively at length at this point. And the good news is, is that it all sorted itself out. The crazy thing is, is that, is that I think the Bengals, if they knew what they were going to be able to get in the first round with the pick that they have, would also help them make the decision that, that, that they're trying to make maybe before the draft, which is tough, right? Yeah, like yeah. If, he, if they knew that, hey, this guy was going to slide down to us, then we're ultimately okay with letting, letting, uh, or not letting T go, but ultimately trading T. But if you had the question, you just brought up, you just brought up uh, the whole Titans and the um, the Eagles trade. Uh, if they could redo that again, I mean, the Eagles are thrilled to death with the trade, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I mean, it, it, but the Titans got good picks from that. If, if put it this way, uh, the quick question I'll ask you, last question, and then we'll move on. Would the Bengals say no to the same trade? So like the exact same deal, so they would get a first and a third round pick. Yeah, same same slots too. Oh, same slots. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they would. I don't think they would say no. I don't think they would either. I think they'd accept it. I think they'd I think take they that trade. Uh, yeah. I think they would take And the crazy trade. thing is, is that the Eagles were happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's not unrealistic, but at the same time, there's no way in the world that I would trade to you if I wasn't getting a first-round pick, though. Yeah. The, the thing, too, is it's not even just A.J. Brown. Like, Hollywood Brown, um, he was traded for a first-round pick. So, that, that, that is really the going rate. I, it's a first-round or, or, or nothing for me. 100%. I think it's a first-round plus an additional late-round pick. T. Higgins, is, T. Higgins is a number one receiver. I mean, those don't, those don't grow on trees. Those aren't just, like, readily available. Yeah. Now, the only thing that hurts the Bengals a little bit, if we're being honest, is that he did not have the season that, that, that many of us would have hoped he'd have. If he would have won out and had a 1,000-yard season, then this is a whole completely different conversation, which, which truthfully would make it a lot harder to trade him because you'd have a fan Correct. base that's ravaging but that's kind of the tough decisions you got to make sometimes to be an elite organization. The Patriots did it for a long time. They would just cut guys and get rid of guys that, that you're like, wow, we, I thought I liked that guy. Next thing you know, they bring somebody else in. But you got to be careful when you compare your organization to the Patriots and then now the Chiefs because it just seems – I don't know if that's fair or not fair, but it seems like a little unrealistic expectation. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I still don't think I love the idea of trading away Tyreek Hill. I, mean, I know say, they won the Super Bowl, but but by God, the guy's like. You can't say it didn't work. I understand. It, it certainly worked. You can't say it didn't work. But back to the stadiums. Yes, let's do that. Please. I was just gonna do. I was just gonna rank some of my favorites that I've been to. I don't, you, you're a stadium guy, yeah? I love. There's nothing more than I love than atmospheres. Being at the stadium, I mean that's electricity that you get from other people. Loud stadiums is is unbelievable. And I think that's it's kind of what ba makes baseball uh, different does. different than other sports is that like you can go watch a ball game anywhere and, and still feel that same magic. Not maybe not to the extent of you're yelling and cheering after every pitch like you would be with the Reds, but you still feel that magic, that atmosphere at every single ballpark. Because every ballpark's different. Every ballpark has has unique things you get to see in it. That are associated with it, and I and I think that's awesome. I've been to uh, ten major league ballparks. I, my goal is to see them all. Every summer, I go to at least one. 
Uh, this year I'm going to the White Sox for the first time. I think we're going to try to go to Atlanta as well. Uh, a couple buddies and I, my dad and I, are going to go to White Sox, though. Um, yep. If I had to rank some of my favorite ones, some of the most underrated ones, I have been to uh, Toronto. I've been to Toronto. I thought the Rogers Center – I think it's still called the Rogers Center. I don't yeah. know if they changed it. Uh, I thought that was underrated. I, I don't know. I, a lot of the domes get a bad rep, uh, get, a, get a bad rap. But I, I, I do think the Rogers Center has one of those weird, weird feelings in there. Where it's where it's really cool. I, I was also there for Vladdy's um, first at bat. I was there for Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s first at bat. Uh, a, another stadium I thought was awesome was uh, uh, the Camden Yards. Camden Yards was incredible, um, and that's a stadium I, I love. All the old timey stadiums th- those need to stay a thing forever. Camden, I, I haven't been to Fenway yet, but Wrigley's yeah. obviously. I'm a little disappointed in myself. I decided not to go to Camden. Camden's yeah. awesome. Well, I was just, it was really tired. I was on a business trip. I was in uh, I, DC. Obviously, Baltimore is relatively near there. And it was like, I got to drive 50 minutes to get to Camden. I regret that. Camden Camden has such a good look. It has that old factory on the on the right field line there. And it also, if you walk along the, the right field, uh, right past the home run fence, they have a ball, like a little ball plaque of every home run that's been hit over the, over oh, really? the stands. Every single ball that's been hit over there. They've got like the a Ken Griffey Jr. ball that hit the factory. So they've got that plaque on the factory. That one's awesome. Uh, my favorite park ever, and again, this might be a hot take, but my favorite park is PNC Park. I think that stadium is by far the best stadium in, in baseball. I think Everybody be- says that. I Why? Think it's, I think it's it's beautiful. I, I think, and again, it's... So you just have, I have to go to Pittsburgh. Now. You have to go to Pittsburgh. I think I think it's one of the best ballparks ever. It's got a beautiful view of the river. Um, it, it has the, the, the bridge right behind it as well. I think the stadium itself is awesome. It sucks that the Pirates are forever and will be forever the, the easy, easy dumpster easy. organization of all time. Uh, but their stadium is legit. Their stadium's absolutely legit. Uh, my honorable mention would be uh, Denver. I think obviously that stadium rocks. But there's never been in, top. I've never been to Coors Field. Coors Field uh, awesome. while they were playing. I walked by Coors when I was in Denver one time and just trying to check it out from the outside. Went into the pro shop and kind of looked through the windows at the uh, you know the concourse, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Really, there's not been a stadium that I've been disappointed in outside of Tropicana. And that, Never, that, that, how bad that, is that? It's the worst. It's legitimately, you think that I'm joking when I say this. I'm not joking when I say this. Heritage Bank Arena. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. If it got a... If it got basically like just a little bit of a, uh, what we call an upgrade there. Yeah. And by upgrade, I mean like we were just... You know, for lack of a better term, throwing a little bit of money at it. We're yeah. just like kind of, you know, you know how when you're driving down the road and there's potholes and they're like, oh, we're going to fix it. And they go and they like pour that stuff out into it. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the, what it's ultimately called, but like it just fills the hole. And then they like, they got like one guy that tamps it down like five times. He's like, oh, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, it's got a huge hole again. Yeah. That's essentially what I think that the, the Heritage Bank could possibly do. And they're just as good as Tropicana. Oh, wow. That's how bad it is. Um, but outside of that stadium... Um, you know, I really did like Bush Stadium. I liked the look of that. It felt classy. The concourses were small. I didn't love that. Um, I, I Wrigley Field in and of itself, pretty cool little stadium. Um, I will say this about Great American Ballpark. I think that when Great American Ballpark has opened to where it's at now is a very impressive thing. 
I agree. I And I don't know who deserves all the credit. Maybe that's some of the Castellinis. Maybe it's somebody else. And I know we don't like giving the Castellinis in this city a lot of credit. But that the ballpark has just been elevated, and it continues to get better and better and better and better. And they find ways to, to make the concourses a little more interesting. They put something here. They put something there. And it just kind of – I love Great American Ballpark. I really do. Um, I've been to Kauffman Stadium. That's one I haven't been to. I would have liked to go. Um, Kaufman, massive concourses. Like, the, the, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Really? I mean, yeah, you could drive, like, two semis through through the concourses. It's I'm like, well, it's nice because it's big, but it's just like, it seems like there's wasted space here. Um, Cleveland was really cool. Cleveland was small, but Cleveland was really open. Cleveland had a, had a really, like, it was almost like a minor league ballpark yeah. but like a but you know what cleveland has that 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 uh kirby is always one of the reds to do yeah which is they have a lot of good standing standing room standing yeah. room only spots right where they've done a good job of incorporating like bars and they've done a good job of incorporating like you know little you know what, what would be the like little tabletops if you yeah. want to call it that to where you can kind of just enjoy a beer and it's a little less you know formal it's mm-hmm. very casual right you just walk up and I thought that the thing that the the, the uh, Indians did was a really an awesome idea, which is that you could buy all you can standing room only tickets yeah. for like thirty bucks a month or something crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I think for a lot of they're just trying to fill the park, get people in there, and maybe they'll drink some beer while they're there. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Um, I think people I think people will will underappreciate Great American Ballpark here. Of course, because because we we've of you course know, Miller our, Park, great park. Miller Park is awesome. Great park. I the love fans Miller are Park. Great. The fans are great. The fans are great in Milwaukee. Yeah. I, 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 had, I had a blast in Milwaukee. It was really fun watching Ellie De La Cruz steal all the bases. Yep. You were there for that. I was there. I was there for that. We were I, both there for that. I was there with you. Yeah. In, at the same That was on accident. Time. Yeah. Well, I don't think. Well, it was it, a Yes, it was. Accident. Yes, it was. There was. There was no plan. Put it this way. There was no pre-planned thing between me and you of, of deciding to go up there at the same time. You asked me. Hey, have, this is a funny story. Go ahead and tell it. Well, we, I think we were talking about you were you were asking we were talking about Imagine Dragons, and, and, and you're like, no, yeah, I think that's how it started. I think we were talking about Imagine Dragons. We said we were going to Milwaukee. Yeah, and we were like, wait, you're going to Milwaukee? And I said, yeah, I'm going to Milwaukee. It's like, when are you, when are you going? I was like, I'm, and then you said that you were doing what? I was going to Summerfest. I was going to a concert venue. You said something specific, though. Go ahead. I was going to an AJR concert. Thank you. This is the big. That's the big part of the story. Yeah, Go ahead because, and say that again. Because AJR was performing as an opener for uh, Imagine Dragons. And right. Straight- you said you were going to an AJR concert. Correct. And then I looked at you and I said, you mean like, you talking about the Imagine Dragons concert? Yeah. And you looked at me and you said, I don't know. I know I'm AJR. I'm going to AJR. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the Imagine Dragons. With all due respect to AJR, yeah, I mean, we're talking like, you know, for lack of a better term, you're going to the Garth Brooks concert, but you're, th- you're sitting there talking about how you're going to watch Luke Bryan. Yeah, that, uh, that was a mistake on my part. Listen, but I Imagine I was th- Dragons was the real show. AJR was opening for everyone that doesn't know. And my man sitting here telling me that he's going to watch AJR and he had no clue the Imagine Dragons were playing. I did not. That's, that's crazy. But that's who I was. That's what, the, that's what a festival is. I didn't know all this. I didn't know all this information. It ended up AJR didn't perform, but very sad. I think their dad died. But anyway, yes, that I, was I, sad. I, I, I watched kids the Ima- still talk about it. I watched the Imagine Dragons concert. So, you know what that did do for me though? AJR what? in a little bit of a way because I told my kids like, yeah, there's another band called AJR, but they can't play because their dad passed away. And I think that was the first time in their lives they ever thought that their dad could possibly die too. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I actually got like a little sympathy there. You yeah. know, I was like, he's like, what do you mean their dad? I was like, oh, their dad died. 
Mm -hmm. They they can't play the concert. And they just kind of looked at me like, like their dad died. I'm like, yeah, their dad died. And then I think they looked at me and they, and now I didn't say this out loud, but they looked at me and they're like, wow, my dad could die. <laughs> anyway, you'll live forever, Trace. I don't think so. I certainly hope that, that, that I don't. Um, that seems like a miserable existence, right? Well, it would be towards the end. Right. And that's the Once part the that I'm talking come. about. Yeah, Once it, the aliens it, come. It, it, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to the aliens. All right. Um, that will do it today. We have box lunch coming right after this for our members. Reed Mouse is going to take the reins of that as always. Uh, appreciate you calling in. Thank you to Matt, okay, specifically for calling in. We'll continue to have the call-in number down there. If you want to call in, hijack the show. As he said, that's fine. Be our guest. That's why we put it there. We want to have fun. Enjoy the chat. Chat's fun. Hopefully you enjoyed this Valentine's Day edition of Off the Bench. We'll see you tomorrow.